0: Good morning everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. This, uh, my friends, will be, I guess, the Mother's Day edition because it's the last chance we're going to have to say something about mothers before Mother's Day. I'm looking at Terry. Okay. But Ter- Terry has been working really hard on this show. He's put together a really incredible lineup for mothers. <laughs> We're going to be talking about late night snacking. Yes. Codependency. There you go. And emotional intelligence. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Everything's screaming mom. Mom, mom, mom. <laughs> mom, get out of the fridge. <laughs> That's just <laughs> Why rude. are you so codependent? <laughs> Why? Yeah. All you codependent moms out there, get some emotional intelligence. The reality is we just we put together a show, and then we 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 have these guests booked weeks in advance a lot of them, and so we can't just well we know. we could well if we could yeah. somebody like myself went, wait a second, Mother's yeah. Day's coming up what we need is a producer to just say, hey, mother's Day's coming up, <laughs> you know Father's Day'll be coming up too i'll I'll, I'll pay attention to Father's throw, Day I'm just saying throw it down there, <laughs> just plan like you know. Friday before Christmas is coming up too, so I'd watch for Christmas. I'd watch for yeah. all the big holidays. There's some big holidays. Maybe we want to yeah. have a tie-in. And I don't want to tell you how to do your
1: job, <laughs> right?
0: But we do have a great show. So Mother's Day yesterday, love
1: you. you're like, we got to do something about Mother's Day. I'm like,
0: uh, mm, that, I, that would that I been, have a mom? That would have been good to talk about a week ago at least. Yeah, okay. that would have been really good. One thing you might want to do. There's these calendar things. I have one, several, actually. and a lot of them like actually tell you the dates yes. and the holidays. They just don't, don't. They don't tell you like weeks before. They just tell you the day of. I, I get such into a habit of
1: just looking at a week and I yep. don't look at holidays. It's hard. It's not a holiday where I don't have to have a show. So it's yeah. not some. I, it's on the weekend. I don't really. But look at you that know, thing.
0: though, like your son has a mother. Right. She's not your mother. No. She's your wife. Absolutely. But you no, might want. We, we've wanna... been
1: planning for this.
0: Okay. We have gifts and we're thinking yeah. about
1: it. But okay. it's, again, it's on the weekend. It's yeah. not my job. Yeah. yeah. So I don't tie in things out. I need to
0: you know, yeah. adjust no. my thinking, obviously. You know what? It's actually called emotional intelligence. So just yes. in the third hour, just watch. Just we'll be listen. talking about that. I will benefit. <laughs> this is fun. <laughs> hey, welcome to the program. So we've got a great show for mothers and fathers, quite honestly, because maybe the show is for uh, mothers because their husbands are snackers, yep. their husbands are codependent, right. and the husbands need some emotional intelligence. <laughs> Could be. Maybe. Maybe that's why we're we helping everyone. That's why we're here. We're here to give you the tools to get through life. Did you see that poor boy stuffed in a suitcase? Not until you showed me the picture a moment ago.
2: Ah, Somehow with found... everything
0: I look at this morning, that story didn't show up. And Isn't that weird? Eight-year-old Ivorian, so I guess from the Ivory Coast. coast Ivorian boy hidden in a suitcase, smuggled yeah. across the border into Spanish territory in North Africa. Ugh. Can you imagine? Oh, look at him just coming out of that little suitcase. Tragic. But... um they found her they caught her she's in trouble busted well you know by it, the way it, all, they, it also shows the desperation of people to to move to a better situation exactly possibly, that is know. the desperation and they when you see this boy i mean in the x-ray machine you can just see this perfect outline of the boy right a child ah, tragic isn't it and we here we sit just we're we're going to be talking about how we snack late at night yeah I mean, that's first word problem. Or the hassle this morning of finding a
1: a charging cable because I forgot to charge my phone last night. Oh, boy. That was a hassle. That's probably why you forgot about Mother's Day. Could be. Yeah. Except for this should have been done a week ago. Yeah. I I constantly am reminded how my life just does not have any
0: difficulties whatsoever. (laughs) Well, yeah. Yeah. You've got to... We've all got to... In comparison. But honestly. So... um, any news going on? I mean, I keep hearing little things
1: here and there. Uh, the Attorney General, Loretta Lynch, will have the Justice Department launch an official investigation into the Baltimore Police Department for a pattern or practice of excessive force, according to the Washington Post. So is
0: that the fourth investigation or the third investigation? Well, it's one that
1: hasn't started yet. So I know. But so, She's well, going well, to There are already
0: it. four or previously, right? The-
1: Justice Department hasn't done anything yet. Here we go. This is the official announcement expected
0: later today. Because to you know this is going to happen. Once we have four investigations, then we'll know something was weird. Well, you have to do that so that people think something official I know. happened. What we really ought to do, though, is officially make something happen. Well, that takes
1: time. It's government. Everything takes so five years. So what if we just moved
0: all that energy?
1: I don't know. Guantanamo Bay was supposed to be closed, but it's still open. So.
0: Well, it's, it's under investigation. Absolutely. Once we investigate. When there were promises made eight uh, years ago. In fact, Mike, let's make an investigation to make sure that we figure out how Mother's Day slipped through our schedule.
3: All right. I'll uh, add it to our list of investigations.
0: Yeah. And we'll maybe solve it. But if not, we'll at least investigate it.
1: The FBI uh, Director James Comey announced that the Bureau issued a bulletin in one of on one of the two assailants at the Prophet Muhammad cartoon contest in Garland, Texas. Okay. That three hours before the event happened where they attacked, mm-hmm. that uh, the FBI sent them the name a, of one of the guys, the yeah. picture, license plate. They were on him. They, they were, knew something was going down. They said he would. He, they, they, had, they had been tracking him online, and he had searched about this specific event, and you need to be aware. Yeah. Well, that's like,
0: comforting. Well, the, I mean, we missed it, but that's comforting that we're at least three hours behind the guy.
1: Yeah, there's no um, indication that one, the Garland Police had this information, and two, that they distributed it to the people involved Yeah, I there.
0: guess. I, did they know that they were actually going to Garland, or did they just know they were going... Oh, yeah, because they knew they were going to that event. Right. Yeah. And so the
1: FBI is saying, we sent it to you, and it seems like on the local yeah. end, they're like, we never got it, but I don't, I don't know if there's yeah. been an official it seems statement. like, in a How weird way, through. though, you, you did have SWAT team on the site. Were so, they on duty or off duty? Oh, I don't know. And can you be a SWAT team with automatic weapons
0: off... It's Texas. I'm not sure what the laws are. I'm sure you can <laughs> They just call them the posse, yeah, <laughs> deputies. But what's weird about that too, though? Did you see a thousand? They believe they said thousands of other ISIS following, uh, one of the recruits are already yeah. in the United States. So that they're tracking hundreds of cases.
1: Yes, similar, but and then you come to the point: Do you stop them before they do
0: something, or do you stop them after? Yeah, you can't stop everything. We need to be vigilant, like Texas. Yeah, just have guns. That was amazing. Honestly, if that had happened in other states, it would have been probably different.
1: Probably. Well, I don't know because the event purposely
0: yeah. beefed up security. Yeah. It was really the event.
1: I think the event was trying to provoke a reaction. Yeah. That's what the general. Got the fat uh, lady now, Geller,
0: event. is yeah. now on the most wanted list of ISIS. Absolutely. She's put a mark on oh, herself. So.
1: Okay. Uh, the elections in the uh, UK. UK. British Prime Minister David Cameron met with Queen Elizabeth II on Friday afternoon, who asked him to form her next government after his Conservative Party defiled all pollsters' predictions to win a shock over majority in the UK in the general election. The Scottish National Party wiped out Labour Mm. and the Liberal Democrats in Scotland, surging from six seats to 56 seats. Conservatives are on the rise. Opposition Labour, led by Ed Miliband. Uh, managed to keep his seat, but he called the election a very disappointing and difficult day for labor and announced his resignation as party leader. I'm out of here. The Liberal Democrats, who were part of the last coalition government, were almost wiped out, retaining just eight of their 57 nationwide seats. After holding on to his seat in uh, Whitney, Cameron called it a strong night for the Conservative Party and a positive response and to a positive campaign. Here's some sound. The BBC yeah. made like a three minute composition. I took some cuts out of it, just kind of showing how it's kind of similar to what we see on oh, election cool. night. Sort of so if you can go ahead and play that.
2: But here it is, 10 o'clock. And we are saying the Conservatives
1: are the largest party. The Conservatives on 316. That's up nine.
3: If this exit poll is right,
1: Andrew, I will publicly eat my hat on your program. Your puzzles? I'm puzzled. A swing from Labour to Conservative.
4: That's an extraordinary swing. They'll be hanging their heads in pain and gloom and despair.
5: We are seeing the entire shape of British politics changing before our eyes.
6: The Scottish lion has roared this morning
3: across the country. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh this is great. Fun, right? They're very dramatic. Very dramatic. Have, I'll eat my hat. At first you have the the I, the bells ring. I'm like, "Wow, that's very ominous." Yeah, oh, it's yeah. Big Ben. That's the death toll. It's it Bong. sounds like the death
0: toll, but it's Big Ben. Yeah. It's right? Big Ben's death toll. So, it, you, but it's interesting. A conservative swing movement just like our midterms, right? Yes. More people, I mean, and that's also interesting how the press it sounds like are so Again, kind of more liberally skewed there as well. But they're also, the the polling numbers were off. Yeah. And
1: they they had predicted this other way, and then they sat there all night like, I don't believe what? these numbers. These numbers aren't, aren't like what I believe. It's like the Mitt Romney
0: numbers where everyone was thinking it was going to be so different. Yeah. <laughs> Very interesting. Interesting. It's also interesting that. Um, uh there's just these swings, right? These swings in conservative are almost like they're kind of – they were global and then they'll swing that liberal and they just keep swinging. We're just like a big Well, I don't pendulum. know if
1: conservative and liberal are the same. No, no, they're not exactly. Both sides. But, but yeah, they're
0: when – When you're swinging between parties depending on – It's interesting on, and it's kind of a – it's a so maybe it's always about the economy.
1: Some of it goes back to our guest yesterday talking about that the economy decides the election. Yeah,
0: baby. Man, that's funny because they, they very, they're they very dramatic. We need more drama like that. We do. Ours? I'll eat my hat <laughs> like that. I'm dying to see someone eat their hat. That would be great. Eat a little, little salsa or something. <laughs> Can I get some salsa? Have at it. For my hat. Cool. Uh, great uh, little uh, sound there. That's um, very interesting. And the death toll. That was neat. Uh, well, here's the deal, folks. Uh, you ever got up in the middle of the night? Not even the middle of the night. Midnight. You're just hungry. You go to the kitchen. You just stand in there. Looking, nothing seems to look good, except let's try some Oreos. So you start throwing back some Oreos, and they just don't satisfy. So then you get some cake, and then you need some milk. Hey, and there's some cheese right there. You may as well have some cheese. Cheese is healthy. Midnight snacking. We're going to uh, be talking about a recent study about why we indulge in the late night snacks. It's just an interesting study. Might open up your mind as to how you uh, how you eat and when you eat and the times you eat. It's all important. We're going to take a break. Come back talking about your eating habits. Up next, right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know that feeling when it's about 10.30 at night and chocolate cake from the fridge starts calling your name? Come over here. Or how about that 11 o'clock binge that you have eating all of the leftovers from the night before? Hmm? Hmm? Well, you might feel a bit betrayed by this next part, but it turns out that while you may get the munchies late at night... The high-calorie foods you consume just won't satisfy you, folks. Travis Masterson, a graduate student from Brigham Young University, uh recently completed a study about those midnight munchies. He joins us now to uh to teach us what he found out about our late-night uh eating issues. Travis Masterson, welcome to the Matt Townsend show. Thanks for having me. So this is this you did a master's thesis on basically snacking.
7: Yeah. And we were specifically looking at your visual response to food. So when you see that food, how does it influence your brain?
0: Now, Travis, now how did you get to snacking for your
7: thesis? (laughs) Um, So uh, in our lab, we look at a lot of different things that influence eating habits um, and uh, how exercise can do that. But we also wanted to look at how um, just time plays a factor into Mm. that. Um, so we noticed that a lot of people snack at night, and they often go for high-calorie foods. So we wanted to try and kind of explain what was going on and see if there was any kind of indication of why that happened.
0: And you thought it was more about just visually, you know, do we see the food differently at night? Is that Was that your initial feeling?
7: Yeah, so there's some data out there that shows um, that when you have a high brain response to food, you're more likely to eat it. Um, And people that have bigger responses uh, tend to be more overweight.
0: Hmm.
7: Um, And so we know there's something behind that response driving your eating habits. So
0: So when you did the study, uh, what did you find out?
7: Yeah, so we actually found the opposite of what we were expecting. So because people are eating so much and so many high-calorie foods at night, we thought that there would be a higher response at night. Mm-hmm. but when we, when we did the data analysis, we actually found opposites. You actually have higher responses in the morning, um, which kind of makes sense if you're thinking about it. Uh, you need food to get going in the morning, so your body's kind of craving that and driving the energy. Whereas at night, you're kind of getting ready to go to sleep and, and kind of toning things down. And so uh, food's not as important at that point. Okay. Um, and so, yeah. So, we so you don't get
0: a feedback of, loop? Is that what it is? So at night, you don't get the same bang for your buck. <laughs> or your you know pound of caloric intake as you would in the morning
7: yeah so that's kind of what we're postulating now is um we saw these like this dampening effect in the reward pathways when you look at food visually um and and so we're thinking that if you have that same response and you eat food then that food wouldn't be as satisfying to you
0: Hmm. well that's just depressing so <laughs> yeah. so, but so we are going so why are we standing at the fridge? Why are we there if we if our if our kind of our sensory whatever is down? Why are we even you know <laughs> at the fridge?
7: <laughs> yeah. Um so there could be a lot of reasons. Um I think one of the biggest ones though is um at nighttime we've just developed certain habits and and certain things that we do so for a lot of people they're watching tv um which can sometimes trigger what's kind of like a pavlovian response to eat food right right they've always connected eating uh with watching tv um so it's kind of like an ingrained habit um but then once they start doing something like that they can't they they're just not satisfied, and so they can't really stop doing
0: that. that. That's why if that's why we'll eat, you know, eight Oreos, and then we're still not satisfied, and something else. It's just that our body isn't responding as strongly as it would if we were in the morning. If we were in the morning and we ate eight Oreos, we'd probably be way satiated. <laughs>
7: yeah. Well, yeah. So that's what we're thinking. Um, And it could be other things, um, but that's what was really interesting about our study. So we only looked at the visual things, but that leads to a lot of questions um, because we saw that kind of reverse response to what we thought. And so it opens the door to a lot of future research to look into that and kind of try and explain that response more. Um, but it kind of just points out the complexity of eating behaviors and uh, weight uh, management and different things like that. Yeah,
0: because I guess it's really important that we understand that our body has a, a serious weakness at night because you're not reading it as as acutely as you would in the morning. So it's easier probably to maintain our diets in the morning than it is after 8 o'clock at night.
7: Yeah, um, right. Well, in the, yeah, in the sense that... Um, when you eat in the morning, it's going to be more satisfying. Yeah. To be able to move on to your next task and different things like that. And, um, yeah, and so that's what we see visually as well. But it's also important to realize that since that visual response does drive things, so we're looking at just purely the visual, um, you might be more inclined um, to eat high-calorie foods um, since they're having a greater effect on your system in the morning. So, so stepping away from eating the food and just looking at the food, now that response is being driven in the morning. Oh, yeah, it's so, higher. Yeah, and so if you are around a lot of high-calorie things, you're seeing a lot of high-calorie commercials for food, billboards. Uh, you see, you know, you're going for donuts and, and bagels and coffee and hot chocolate and, like, those kinds of things. Um that's going to have um, a driving effect on you. So when your coworker leaves donuts out in the break room, oh yeah, and, and you're looking at that, that that is really going to have an influence and and maybe drive you to eat that food. So
0: that's true, Sue. So in the morning, you have to know that your eyes are your problem,
7: All right? And so that's kind of like how we summarize some of our findings is that. Um, I is that you just need to be aware of these cues in your environment. Like the first step to being able to change a behavior is to to see it. <laughs> yeah. And so if you're realizing um, and, and noticing in yourself when you're around food in the morning that you're like eating in these high calorie foods or at night, maybe things you realize aren't as satisfying to you. That might help you take the first steps into changing that behavior and, and kind of controlling it a little bit better.
0: I mean, and really, this is just the beginning, isn't it? Did, did you do this with um, with fMRI studies?
7: Yeah. So fMRI studies, um, especially in this area related to food, are relatively new. There's not a lot of, uh, of studies that have been done. Um, and so uh, it's kind of like uh, one of the emerging uh, fields that they're looking at in health promotion and, and neuroscience. So. Hmm.
0: And so where do you sense uh, we're going to take this this research? I mean, I know you're leaving BYU, uh, I guess, with your master's in exercise studies. Is that what it is? Science. Science, yeah. yeah. And you're going to be going to Penn State. What Are, are you going to yeah. continue in this area?
7: Yeah. So one of the things that we're doing, um, we're actually doing it right now with Penn State. So we're doing a, a project in conjunction with them is we're looking at how exercise modifies this response in children um this visual response and so uh, what we have the kids do is they come to our lab and they either sit or they work out on our treadmill for a half hour and then we show them the pictures of food um and see how they respond and so the idea is that um that if exercise can reduce that response it gives us like a good rationale to have kids exercise in the morning, maybe like at school or, or different things like that. But, uh, kind of gives us another further explanation of how exercise can benefit you outside of just the exercise, but that it could maybe help you with your eating habits. Right. As well.
0: I didn't know the visual response was such a big deal with eating. It's, yeah. I, I guess it really, I mean, I, I, I guess I could see it if I'm standing there and a guy's <laughs> eating a plate of ribs next to me.
7: And you're like, that looks great. That right? looks really
0: good. <laughs> yeah.
7: Yeah. And it, actually your, your brain is, is somewhat wired uh it's kind of hardwired some of your oldest uh part like the instinctual parts of your brain um, are used to evaluate food sources, and so when you see something, you evaluate whether it's going to be a food source or a tool or you know like something like that yeah and um and then you are going to go ahead and think about you know or, or evaluate that like how efficient is it going to be how good is it going to taste is it uh, is it going to be beneficial to me? You even have like a memory component that if you see food that you've had before, you remember how good it was, how good it tasted, those kinds of things. Um, and so you kind of go through that loop, and then it's rewarding to see the food, right? Yeah. Because it, it, people like food that looks good. <laughs> is it and enough you know, to just
0: see it, Travis? I mean, so if I wake up in the morning, <laughs> if I wake up in the morning and I come to my show and they somebody bought donuts and the donuts are <laughs> sitting out there, is it enough for me to? Will I derive enough pleasure just looking at them? Or will it yeah, just keep but, driving my instinct to consume?
7: Right. We we considered that. I think we maybe had even mentioned it at one point that, that that might be the case, right? Like it might be just satisfying enough in your head, like pleasurable enough just to see the food. Yeah. Right? So then you're okay with it. Um, however, for the most part, uh, there, there's been studies done that show, for example, um, that in those that uh, are overweight – uh, they have bigger responses, and they t- tend to eat a lot of food, and so that's where we kind of get that link from, Yeah, you
0: know. If, I mean,
7: well, if they're you, figuring, having bigger responses. So. You
0: want, I mean, your body doesn't, I mean, evolutionarily, you want calories. You need calories. Right. You Even if you don't need them, get calories in you because it, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. it will help you. So I guess it is a little awkward to be the guy just staring at the donuts all morning you know <laughs> yeah. the coworkers would be a little creeped out but right. <laughs> but i i guess too it's really powerful to you know if you know that you really have a lot of temptation to eat just minimize some of the visual stimuli right and just right turn off the tv
7: yeah and that's one of that's one of the other things that um people could take away from this is um getting getting away from being so bombarded by images of food um like there's just so much on T V and that's one of the things um that somebody mentioned at one point was at nighttime, even if you're having a lower response, you're so bombarded while you're watching T V by food food images, um, that it might just be the amount of food images that you're seeing yeah. are driving that behavior. So that's like a different Interesting way to look at that, how that might be affecting you there.
0: Right. So then, then you get up, then all of a sudden you're at the din of the blue light from the fridge or whatever. Um, do you and, and then we then we have a less satisfying response. So we will consume more.
7: Right, and so that's kind of what we're thinking, and, and that's why it's so interesting, right? Like, there's so many <laughs> just discussing with you, right? There's yeah. so many different possibilities and, and ideas that can come up with, and that's, like, one of the interesting things about research in general, especially when you find something that's a little bit different than what you thought, is it opens the door to so many questions and, and trying to find explanations. Right. Things,
0: so. Do you sense that, that it would be different—I mean, so if we then took in visual stimulation about sleep— and melatonin commercials. And um, w- would that would that motivate us to want to go sleep?
7: Yeah. So I, I'm not sure how that would work. Or is it just
0: because um, food's, I mean, food's a natural need. I guess sleep is too. It seems like maybe we just need to go create some sleepy videos that we watch.
7: Yeah. Right. And um, that so kind of on a, a related thing is they're looking at that with uh, like kids trying to make food more palatable, uh, trying to get more um, exposure to, like, healthy foods instead of junk foods while they're watching TV and stuff like that. Yeah. Seeing if they can kind of help curb and, and change those behaviors away from so much junk food and stuff through just visual stimulate, right? Right. So it's an interesting idea that something visually could really influence you um, and, and change your behaviors that way. So whether that'd be the same with sleep, I don't know, but... Yeah,
0: but it's, it's I think it's just powerful. It's kind of neat that how research works. You just... You threw a you threw a you know a hypothesis out there, actually missed it. We're wrong, but we're actually opened up a whole new. Actually, the whole goal was learning, and you right. threw one out, and you learned like crazy. Um, and visually, and and then two to know that you know visually our responses are going to be different at night than they are in the morning. That's that's a huge, I think, discovery. So right. well done. Thanks. And. Um, just as you, as we kind of leave you, any, any takeaways, anything else that we know would help us to make sure we kind of don't do the, the midnight binge?
7: Yeah, I think it's just that reducing some of like the visual, uh, things that you're seeing at night. So getting, turning the TV off and, and trying to separate TV from eating, those things can help a lot. And then, like I said, I think just being aware, like when people are more aware of, of how they're feeling and, and what's going on in their environment and just realizing that things can influence you. That makes a big uh, step in the right direction to um, being able to change.
0: So. You bet. You bet. Well, Travis, we appreciate you. Great job in yep. your, in your work. Again, Travis Masterson uh, on his master's thesis for heaven's sakes in exercise science from Brigham Young university on his way to Penn state. Ah, you got to watch what you're watching folks. Did you have any idea it's that big of a driver? What you see drives you to the fridge. What you see in the fridge drives you to eat. And then when you eat, the response is not as impactful. So you need to eat more at night. Scary. Good stuff, my friends. We'll take a break. Come back Do the Coach's Corner. Get into uh, some other ideas about uh, how you can change some habits up next right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back everybody to the Matt Townsend show. You know, on today's program, um, it's, uh, it's, it's a, you know, subtle tribute to mothers. Not really. We love you, mom. We need you. Hello. We just learned that uh, late night snacking. One of the reasons it may be happening is because of your sensory impact. Did you know that what you see is such a dramatic motivator for what you do? And so if all of a sudden you're getting a lot of uh, visuals about food at about 10 o'clock at night, which might be every restaurant commercial during the news, right? You might start having a hankering for some food. Then you get there and you start eating. And then an interesting thing that happens at night, you also don't get kind of the feedback loop, the reward loop that you would at other times of the day for eating. So eight Oreos equals four Oreos, let's say, or two and a half Oreos. Well, I better have 16 then, because 16 will satisfy. So isn't it weird? We have sensory, we have a lot of different things going on that impact just our own eating habits. So one of the things I wanted to talk about in the Coach's Corner today was uh, some other things that maybe aren't making us as happy. And, and our senses, in a way, could, could come to play and help us out a little bit. Let me give you five things that you're going to have to deal with or get rid of if you really want to be happy. One of them is you're going to have to get rid of the late-night commercials. Okay, so now I have six. Get rid of the late-night commercials so you don't go eat a lot. Here's another one. you got to write off your longtime grudges. If you want to be a happy person, you're going to have to get rid of the grudge. A lot of us carry a ton of baggage from past relationships, past situations where we've been hurt. And remember, all a grudge really is, it's just a rut, but it's a rut with, a, with another person. And if you stay in a rut long enough, you're just going to deepen the rut, right? So eventually these ruts get deeper and deeper till they become ravines. Ruts, if you're in them too long, become ravines. And then you lose all perspective. You can't see... And remember, the interesting thing about somebody that you are holding a grudge against, think about it. Who right now do you have a grudge against? That person, not even thinking about you. <laughs> not to be rude. They don't even, they're not even thinking about you. Some of them don't even know you exist. And yet you're so mad. Oh, I can't believe he said that. They're not ex- exercising and occupying their brain with you, so why would you give them that power? Let me give you one tool that might help you write off a long-time grudge, okay? I personally believe you need to exercise some activity. You need to do some healthy action in regards to this person. So I want you to sit down, and I want you to write a letter to this person as if you're going to send it, and I want you to dump all the junk you've got, dump all the venom. Whatever you got to say, you say it. Get all of your emotion out. Don't leave anything on the table. Say everything. Now, if you can, I'd try to say it aligned to your values so you're not being a jerk. But get it out of you. You hurt me. You did this. When you said this and this, it took this from me. It made me feel this way. And just write it out. And I want you to write till you are exhausted. I'd personally love you to handwrite it because that's hard. Most of us don't even know how to do that anymore. Handwrite it. Get all the energy out until you've got so much carpal tunnel you feel like a, you know, 90-year-old typist. And when you can't take it anymore, put the letter away, seal it in an envelope, and set it aside. Don't throw it away yet. I want you to keep it. It's going to be a motivator for you. Then what I want you to do is I want you to go make a plan for how you want to live. Instead of living chasing this crazy yahoo that messed your life up, I want you to go create a life and and think about a plan for how you're going to actually move on. What kind of person do you want to become? Instead of chasing the snake, what person do you want to become? And I want you to make a plan. And I want you to say, I want to be the kind of person that does this, 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 and make a really nice list of what you want to be. And then I want you to start living it. And here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want to give you one month. And if you can't start moving toward the new plan, let's just agree we're going to send the letter to that person. Send it. What's the harm? They're already harming you, right? You can't get over this. And you just spewed all that venom into a letter if you can't move on, then let's just send the letter. Oh, that! But they'll be so mad. Good. Okay, at least they're thinking about you. It's going to do something. The main reason I think that will work is because it's different from what you're normally doing. So you want to be happy? Write off the longtime grudge. Eventually, you're going to have to let it go. You can't just keep carrying the baggage because you're the only one carrying it, right? So make a plan for a better way to do it write that letter, and if you won't go live the plan, then instead just, and you want to keep that story going, then keep the story going, but you're going to have to send the letter. Then you get to deal with the consequences of actually having said what you're thinking. Amazingly, something I promise different will happen. It might get worse. I doubt it because it's already pretty bad for you, right? So the first rule, if you want to be happier, write off the longtime grudge. Actually, the first one is Quit looking at visual food stimulation at night. Second one, right off the long-time grudge. Third way to be happy, quit taking the emotional bait. In the next hour, we're going to be talking about emotional intelligence, and a lot of us are just – we. I don't know. We are like roadkill on the emotional highway because we keep taking the same bait over and over again. Can you think of somebody in your life that you fight with regularly or that you have issues with, and they just drive you crazy? How many times have you gone to Thanksgiving dinner and that same uncle said that same thing in the same way and it ticked you off? How many times has that happened? So if you actually know that they're going to say the same thing in the same way in the same time in the same place and it's going to tick you off every time, then then you keep taking the bait. Right? I mean what do we call a fish that gets caught a thousand times by the same hook with the same bait in the same place at the same time? and the same fisherman pulls him off the line fish they're they're not learning right we learn so if you want to be better than a fish i guess not that we have to compare then you probably need to do something different and so i would learn what are your weaknesses what where do you know what are the buttons that people tend to push and this is called emotional intelligence next hour we'll spend an entire 40 minutes on it so stick with us on this one okay But come up with what you're going to say to that weird uncle in that one moment. Or maybe in the middle of the dinner, right when the weird uncle starts to say something, you're going to get up and say, oh, got to go potty. And you just walk away. And you go to the bathroom. Honestly, that would be better than taking the bait. So quit taking the bait. Three, four, I guess. Avoid the empty calories of negativity. I think some of us are so used to just consuming negativity that we think it's equal to being happy. Having a really ugly, nasty grudge is not going to make you a better person, even if it feels so good. It's probably one of the reasons we're eating so late at night. You got to avoid the empty calories of negativity. We are wired to um, to see things that we're looking for. So if I'm looking for good stuff, I'm wired to find it. That's why little kids can naturally find faces in everything humans can find a face in a car have you ever noticed that a smiley face two eyes you can you just automatically see a smiling face in that car in the the grill of that car we're naturally wired to see what we're looking for if i'm constantly looking for opportunities then i'm going to see it however if my life's been difficult and i've started to be skewed a little negatively i'm going to start seeing things negatively think about it if you were just bit by a snake what do you think you're going to notice more in the garden, flowers or the hose? The hose is going to, you know, remind you of the snake. So, and I think, honestly, most of us as humans, we don't even think it through. We're, we're okay with negative emotion. We just want emotion. We just want some emotion, some reaction. That's why our kids will continue, continually drive us crazy and do naughty things because even if you give them negative attention, it's better than no attention. So as humans, I personally believe we're willing to go with the negative emotion, even if it doesn't serve us. So we need to start understanding that if you want to be happy, you got to be happy. And the way you're got, you, you're going to be happy is you got to start looking for positive things. Right? You got to look for the positive. Now, it doesn't mean you need to be sappy and Pollyanna-ish and you know, naive to it, but find three good things about your life every day. I, mean, I, I was—I tell you all the time about my ninety-nine and a half-year-old friend that just passed away, and every time I'd go in there, I'd say, "How you doing?" He's like, "If I were any better, I'd be." And then you would have some phrase, "How can you be that happy at ninety-nine and three quarters of a year old?" Holy cow! Aren't you tired? You can't even get up and go to the bathroom anymore. What makes you so happy? And then he just, then he'd immediately, I'd ask him, why are you so happy? And he'd just start telling me, well, I've got friends that visit me like you. I've got, I've got good memories with my family and he's got his ideas. Start making a list every day, three things a day that are good, that are positive. Spend time at dinner doing the same thing. Go around your table and just count your blessings. By the way, do you want to bet that this could be a cure to a lot of stuff that's going wrong in a lot of places in our country? we got to start seeing the good. No doubt Baltimore's had a lot of negative stuff coming out of it, but they've had just as much good stuff. As a community, they totally come together. Remember all these men come out and line up the next day and kind of create a barrier between the police and the protesters? Remember all the people out sweeping the streets? Are you kidding me? That's, that's positive stuff. Baltimore's rocking it there. Oh, we only hear the negative. Billions of dollars have been spent in their school systems, yada, yada. And certain people are also creating some major changes. And there's changes that still need to be made, but you're not going to make them by just seeing that everything's broken. I'll guarantee you we could go to a variety of schools in Baltimore City and find a lot of amazing things happening there, positive things. And it may not be systemic-wide, but individually there's some – Killer teachers, some amazing students, some incredible parents. We can go learn what's going on with them, find the successes, and we grow the successes. But instead, we all just obsess on the negative. We got to avoid it. And by the way, it's empty calories. You know, it's just you know, it's a, it's like eating a fruit roll up. It's just, it's going to burn through you in about a half hour. We need better, we need better uh, opportunities, better offers for our psyche. We're going to take a break, come back, continue talking about five things that are going to help you, that you got to get rid of if you want to be happy. By the way, one of them is not your mother, for heaven's sakes. It's Mother's Day. This is a little tribute, shout out to uh, the moms. The topic isn't, because it's not just a mom issue. It's an everyone issue. But we want to make sure we're celebrating the important women in our lives, mothers, sisters, daughters grandmothers, role models. We'll talk more up next on the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, we've been talking about uh, the things you got to get rid of if you want to be happy. You got to quit watching late night television. It's going to drive you to go eat more. You got to write off the longtime grudge. You got to quit taking the emotional bait. We'll talk a lot about that in the next hour. You got to avoid the empty calories of negativity. Sure, it feels, I mean, it, it's an emotion. It creates an energy for you, but it also saps you. It drains you. You got to send your same old stories out to the cleaners. Have you ever just noticed that you have some pretty typical, you know, excuses or stories as to why you don't do what you, you probably ought to be doing? Let's say, let's say you've really wanted to go back to school. You've told people that and someone says, so why don't, why don't you go back to school? Or a friend might say, why don't you ever come to our group workouts after work? Or somebody might say, why don't you come home once in a while? <laughs> you ever had any of those? And he's like, ah, well, you know, I, I don't go back to school because I'm, you know, I'm really busy. I mean, I've got, I don't know, I've got like seven Netflix series started. I've got to finish one of them. Or I don't work out. Oh, you know what? I would, but I've got to take care of the kids after work. We have We always have a story, right? But one of the things you might want to do is find out, even though those stories might be kind of accurate, there might be another reason you don't want to do certain things. I call it a dueling commitment. It's where I'm committed to two things simultaneously, like I want to go back to school, but I also don't want to fail. And I don't want some teacher judging me and telling me my writing's not good enough. So the real issue in there might not be that I don't have the time. It just might be I'm afraid of failure. Or it might not be that I go to the workouts, not because I'm so busy with my family, but because I'm just kind of lazy. Or I'm tired. I don't have the energy. Or I don't spend as much time with my family because, honestly, what if they just stress me out? The problem is when we tell the old excuse stories, we never actually deal with the real problem. So if I don't get to the real story that I don't come home as much and I go work, not because I'm just trying to take care of my family, but because they stress me out when I am there, then what ends up happening is I I don't ever deal with the fact that I have a stress issue. And instead, I should be spending my time working on skills to know how to deal with my family, then something else. Right? So if we could just tell the the whole story, and instead of just the same old story. So if you notice a part of your life where you're not progressing like you want to, start noticing your stories and let's go clean some up. Start asking, why do I really not do that? And then answer it. And then why do I really not do the answer? And then answer that one. And then keep asking why. And if you ask why long enough, you'll usually get down to a, a really embarrassing, gooey, nougaty center. It's like a candy bar. And When you get down to this nougaty center, this, you know... Gooey kind of mess. It's usually not very. It doesn't make you look very good. That's why we never tell it. But the the embarrassing story, deep 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 down, that fearful story, we're afraid to share with everybody. The one that causes so much shame. That's probably the reason we're not progressing. You want happiness? You got to get down to that. Because once you start cleaning that up, you fixed your problem. Right? Have you ever heard the quote? When are we going to stop swatting at the flies and go and patch the screen? Some of us spend so much... Oh, I'd love to patch the screen, but I've just got so many flies to kill. Eventually, you're going to kill yourself because you're chasing flies. We don't go patch the screen because, uh, we don't, I'm not. I'm not good at that. Or we don't know how, or we don't even know there is a hole in the screen. Every one of us, if we want to be happy, we got to dig deeper. we got to find out what's going on underneath the hood, right? That's, that's the real key to a lot of this because if we can't get underneath, down to the deep stuff... And it's not like you need psychotherapy every time. You just need to just listen to yourself. You know you're not working out for a variety of reasons, and none of them are what you say the reason is probably. There's usually more going on. It makes sense? I don't want to give you a downer, but I want us all to be a little happier. Best way to do it is to get real, right? Send your same old stories out to the cleaners let's start avoiding the empty calories of negativity by finding 3 things a day that make us positive and happy. 3 things that are going well in our lives. Start documenting them, okay? By the way, you can't repeat. 3 different things. Quit taking the emotional bait. That's called emotional intelligence. We'll spend an hour on it, the next hour, and write off the long-time grudge. Let go of the people that are that, you know, have been hard to deal with. Let go of it. Build a better plan. And of course, don't watch late-night television. Instead, you should be listening to this podcast. Go to iTunes. Go to TuneIn. Share it. Give it to the people that need it. Change your life. That's it, folks. Hour number one. It's in the can. Can't do the show without you, so stick with us. Hour number two is coming up. We'll be talking about emotional intelligence. A little bit later, we'll also be talking about codependency. It's all coming up right here on The Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I am your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program where we give you the tools, the ideas, the solutions, the latest research ideas simply to help you live a healthier, happier life. Also to help you see the good in the world. Welcome to the program. You know, got a great uh, show today. Celebrating moms because Mom's Day is coming up. um, Somebody uh, has Sunday, yeah. We've uh, we've put together an incredible show filled with uh, discussion of codependency, um, wars, mayhem, political news from the UK, ISIS updates. We haven't talked about ISIS yet. And not yet. I'm assuming it's coming. Well, actually, we yeah, did. We, we talked did. about Texas. And All the, the shooting. for you, Mom. <laughs> Doing our part. Because you mean that much to us. That's so sad. We just we take moms for granted.
1: In fact, I, I had an entire thing written up about the history of Mother's Day. I'm intending to go into that right now, but it's on the printer in the other room.
0: <laughs> You're having a hard day. I'm having a hard day. Do we need to talk about your mother? She's a fantastic woman. I just talked to her yesterday. She's wonderful. Do you have anything you need to say? I love you, Mom. There you go. She won't hear it, but. Yeah. Love you too, Mom. (laughs) Terry's and mine. She's great. great. By the way, think about it this way, really. Where would you be without your mother? I wouldn't be really anywhere. She had
1: probably about 80% of the responsibility when it comes to me. Yeah. I mean getting you here she had probably well, more than that. There's that, but then there's everything afterwards. Yeah. I was really a difficult child. I don't know if you could understand how that could possibly be, but Oh no, I totally see that.
0: I see it. I mean you're still a difficult child. I'm difficult, but I don't know if that's You're like possible. a good difficult? Really? Yeah. Okay. You know like when like like you open up the peanut butter jar and there's that protective sealant coating yes. over the top and that's hard to get off. It's a, it's a good difficult.
1: Depends on the brand. Yeah. Some brands are easier than others. Yeah. The salsa bottle, that one's tough to get off sometimes. Mmm. You're trying to get, you, you just, you get the knife out and you're trying to just, oh, yeah. it's ridiculous. Like, do they even want you to partake? Probably not. Salsa sounds really good right now. Salsa? Yeah. Just by itself? Just some chips and salsa. Wow. Mmm. Later. You know, lunch.
0: I just lost my mind for a second. Mothers. Mothers. Back to mothers. Um, Anyway, moms, we love you.
1: And we wouldn't be here without you. So Mother's Day
0: is Sunday, obviously.
1: Yeah. Today is uh, National No Socks Day. Really? Yeah. Just run around
0: without any socks on. Oh, I feel stupid. I'm wearing socks. (laughs) Someone would have told you. (laughs) If only I had known... Uh, no so Ox Day. Do yeah. we actually need a day like that? That seems um, no. kind of crazy. I mean, it should be called Prepare for Mother's Day Day. Right. It could be. It still could be.
1: Actually, Mother's Day is something about um, cram session day, like how you study and you, fr- you, you know, you have studies for Monday and you yeah. forget, and so it's like nas- there's some organization that has that oh, on Mother's Day. Violate Mother's Day. Like, what are you doing? No one studies on Mother's Day. You focus yeah. on mom. That's right. And then once she's
0: done with you, then you go study. Yeah, once you gave her the gift, and the Hallmark card. Right. Bada boom, bada bing. One that everybody gets. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> we love you, mom. We don't want to downplay it. We just it just snuck up on us. Yeah. What do you do?
1: But you know what? It never will again. I don't believe that we're the only ones. Yeah. No. There are people that are going are listening now, and listen to the podcast later. They'll be like, oh, oh,
0: Mother's Day. man, I'm dead. I'm going golfing all day. <laughs> Shame on you. Okay, well, good. Any other news other than No Socks Day or Mother's Day? New CNBC poll. I know you're a big fan of polls. Found
1: that millionaires prefer Hillary Clinton over Jeb Bush. Really? And both candidates over any other presidential hopefuls. In the context of full range of choices for the 2016 Election, 36% of millionaires went for Clinton, 20% went for Bush. Democrat Elizabeth Warren and Republican Chris Christie were the runners-up. As CNBC points out, millionaire support doesn't necessarily equate to electoral victory. In 2012, Mitt Romney
0: was supported by 6 out of 10 millionaires. Hey, just on behalf of all of the middle-income earners, who cares what millionaires think?
1: CNBC. I I just bring the information. That's redunculous. Redunculous. Hillary Clinton was in Los Angeles. he has been on the West Coast this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's going after the- What's she doing? The high-tech money. Yeah, the high-tech millionaires. And apparently she's getting some of it. She was only in Los Angeles for one day, but she, Hillary Clinton was able to raise a remarkable $3 million for her presidential campaign. Clinton went to three different events Thursday, including an event at a reception at a Beverly Hills home where guests paid $2,700 a plate- Oh my heavens! Just to get in the door, the Hollywood Reporter says this is coming from the Hollywood Reporter. Election news from the Hollywood Reporter. That <laughs> affair raised one point nine million. And while fundraising a uh, fundraising lunch in the Pacific Palisades brought in more than eight hundred ten thousand dollars, and a morning event raised
0: two hundred seventy thousand dollars. See, this is the problem. She gets in what sixteen, eighteen months too early. Now we have to listen about fundraisers for the next. 18 months. And we have a quote from one of the fundraisers yesterday.
1: Please,
8: I wasn't born yesterday. I was born 67 years ago, and I have been planning on being president ever since. There will be no mistakes in my rise to the top.
0: (laughs) SNL, is that Okay, Saturday Night Live. I love
1: it. Not necessarily
0: a quote. She's she's gonna that woman whoever the, I don't remember her name I don't remember the actress, her name either she's loving it yes. because this she'll ride this if Hillary wins for the next eight years absolutely ten years she could have Payday. employment yeah uh, on today Hillary will Hillary Clinton
1: mm-hmm. will uh, head to a Northern California home the home of the eBay CEO for yet mm-hmm. another fundraiser rather presidential announcements yeah future ones Rick Santorum reportedly will announce May twenty seventh so if you've Either forgotten about him or miss him from the election cycle. I get that on the calendar. He'll be back in. South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham is rumored, according to Politico, to announce his presidential intentions June 1st.
0: Interesting. It seems like uh, none of these are really just making too much excitement. No. There's a lot of, oh, all right,
1: whatever. Everyone else is in. We'll have 20 people standing on a stage for a debate. In the early stages of the Republican <laughs> primary, there will be no room for anyone to talk, and whoever's on the very fringes will never actually be on TV much. But you'll have twenty people. What standing you
0: need up there. to do, you, ha- you gotta have them all in a circle, all the Republicans in a circle, and then Sanders and Clinton in the middle of the circle. Okay, and just have a fight to the death. <laughs> Go! <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? With like, but like in a safe way, like yes. just with like Nerf, safe, like safety Nerf scissors, guns. Nerf guns. That's good. And just start going until some, until some, until they drop. Okay. I'm just saying. I think it would be interesting. I mean, you want some money? There's some money. The Mayweather fight, <laughs> just, just market it like the Mayweather fight. Tough day of weather across
1: the Midwest. Yes. 16 million people across the plains are facing two days of threatening weather, including possible tornadoes, even as many uh, they continue to pick up after outbreak of more than 50 twisters earlier this week. Uh, On Wednesday, a 42-year-old woman drowned in an underground storm cellar as a tornado smacked Oklahoma City. One of at least 50 recorded across four states. Twelve people in Oklahoma City Trailer Park were injured Mm. in uh, many of the events that happened. So, yeah, just storms moving across, and they hit the Midwest and catch certain wind currents and tornadoes.
0: Prayers go out to them. They're going to be – yeah, they're going to be beaten down. It's sad because – you know, some people don't ever sense this. A train was turned over in um, in Texas, I believe. They found a train just blown over by a storm. Yes. Just a train. I mean. It's
1: just crazy no big crazy
0: amount of force that's going some on. Some guy's roof is flying by a reporter. And meanwhile, we sit here and complain because there's rain. But that rain could be tornadoes in a couple of days. Yeah.
1: As it moves across the, the West, heading towards Oklahoma and that area of the country, so sad. In other news, yes. this was shocking in Texas. What a proposal seeking the full legalization of marijuana on religious grounds? Huh? Has cleared an unlikely legislative hurdle in Texas. Republican state representative David Simpson of Longview, Texas, argues marijuana comes from God and therefore should be shouldn't be banned by the government. Great point. So it's from God; it should not be banned. Isn't arsenic from God? We don't want to extend this to everything. He's just talking about Not this one issue. The Tea Party stalwart has repeatedly championed what he calls the Christian case for legalization of marijuana. Simpson's bill languished for weeks before the House Criminal Judisprudence Committee, but surprisingly passed five to two and could reach the Texas House, but it's unlikely. Doesn't Sh- shrooms comes from god <laughs> there's a lot of things that you could right fill in the blank there yeah so but he's choosing it th- this is his fight and the christian case do we need a christian case he's posing one in a in an area where that might be the best argument <laughs> <laughs> my word the christian case for the legalization of marijuana oh man okay what do you think of the possible success
0: or failure rate of this? Uh, high. High failure? failure. Okay. But I don't think, I don't know, that we work on the Christian <laughs> arguments, right? I mean, that's not how the courts work. No. Well, it depends on what part of the country you're in sometimes. Yeah, that might. Uh, it just, you know, it just seems like it's it's just, you're just justifying what you need to justify.
1: Maybe. Just I, 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 I think it, it just
0: sounds like it's it's a guy that feels guilty smoking weed. And he's trying to say that it's... It ain't so bad. It's all natural, right? I mean, God made it. <laughs> he made grass. I don't see a smoking grass. Unless you call marijuana. Yeah, some call it grass. Yeah, so...
1: But, okay, people. I think that's some very innovative uh, sure. legislative actions. Good luck to you, See pal. what happens.
0: Good luck to you, pal. I just anyway. Don't don't use God that way. You're in trouble. Hey, we got a great uh, guest coming up. Melody Wilding, she's going to be joining us. She is an LCSW, uh actually LMSW, and she is going to teach us about codependence. Now you may have heard the term before. A lot of times it's connected to a relationship when you have an, an addict involved. But it's where we enable our partner, and it's because we, we rescue them, we bail them out of stuff, we accept every one of their excuses. She's going to come teach us to look for the signs of codependent relationships because you might be contributing to this kind of lifelong bad relationship pattern that you're in. If you keep finding yourself dating, marrying partners that are unreliable, emotionally unavailable, relationally needy, guess what, my friends, you may be codependent. It's a great lesson we all need to learn. Up next, right here on the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, do you have a tendency to take on too much responsibility in your uh, relationships? Are you the only one giving? Are you the one smiling on the outside when inside, really, you're just feeling dead or unhappy? Do you set aside your needs and feel like you have to be the superhero of your relationship? Because if you answered yes to any of these questions, you may be one of the Avengers, or you may be in a codependent relationship. Take your pick. Miss Melody Wilding will be joining us. She's a licensed master social worker, joins us, and she's talking about the 13 signs you might uh, need to recognize that will be telling you that you're codependent. Melody, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Hi, Matt. Thank you
4: so much
0: for having me this morning. You bet. Uh, loved your article. You wrote an article in Psych Central uh, called 13 Warning Signs You're in a Codependent Relationship. And, and I think there's a lot of people in codependent relationships that don't even know it.
4: That's definitely true. A lot of the research shows that the numbers of people who are actually in codependence is sometimes three to five times higher than people who actually report it. So mm-hmm. it's very common. Um, and it's something that can develop slowly over time. So you might not even know that it's happening until you're at a point where it's, you're starting to feel a lot of the side effects.
0: Now, explain what codependency is, um, because it's kind of, it's, it's a relationship that seems in a way to be in a balance, but it's an unhealthy balance.
4: That's exactly right. It's keeping the balance entirely in the wrong direction. Yeah. Um, so really, codependency in a nutshell is when your self-esteem is completely dependent on another person's mood or happiness, um, it's really marked by a loss of selfhood. Um, so you've really given up your own identity uh, to sacrifice doing things for other people and not taking care of yourself at all.
0: Hmm. And, I mean, that's just torture because the only way you survive is making sure the other is happy, and a lot of times the other is just dysfunctional. So exactly. you're you're playing yeah. to the dragon, basically.
4: Yeah, it, it can seem like that person, no matter how hard you try— it's impossible to make them happy, and that's precisely because the person wants to remain unhappy, so the cycle just perpetuates, so you keep helping them, so you keep rescuing them, Uh, so that you're always there. It's sort of this um, vicious cycle, and that's why it continues on.
0: Mm. And, And you see this a lot, don't you, in like addictive, you know, relationships, or in a where one partner has an addiction, and then the other kind of enables the addiction, and then the, the addict keeps being enabled and the enabler needs the addict and they just stay in this weird equilibrium.
4: Absolutely. I mean, for most people who have heard the term codependency, they tend to think of it um, in terms of drug abuse or alcoholism, um, since that is very apparent in those types of dynamics. Um, it's very obvious that, let's say, a mother may be making excuses for a son's drinking or dismissing it, or denying that he has a problem, which only allows him to keep drinking and for things to get worse. Right. Um, So it's very overt in those types of relationships, which is why it's more easily understood for most people. Um, But codependency is very, very common in all types of relationship dynamics. I see it a lot within friendships. Um, People who are constantly swooping in to always help out a friend who maybe needs who can't make friends that much or uh, who's, who's struggling and they need to call them up right now because they need to talk. Um, so I, I see it a lot in all types of mm. relationships
0: I'm having. Well, and I guess that's, the, that's one of the keys is, if, for example, if you see that you end up bailing people out a lot and, and yet you feel used, but you keep doing it, or you're constantly trying to fix problems for people, or you're always rescuing, those are signs you are codependent.
4: Absolutely, and, and more so that those interactions leave you feeling absolutely drained and empty, but you feel a sense of guilt or shame if you think about liberating yourself from it. Right. Um, so, for example, a lot of people within who are in drug addiction relationships might say, well, I can't leave them. What would happen to them without me? Mm. Um, or my friend really relies on me. I can't just abandon them. What a horrible person that would make me. So those, that type of shame as a consequence of you trying to scramble around and fix everybody's problems is one of the surest signs that you're definitely in a codependent relationship.
0: Mm. We're talking again with Melody Wilding from MelodyWilding.com. She, she wrote an article in Psych Central called 13 Signs That You Are In A Codependent Relationship. What are, uh, what are some things that uh, – some more signs? What else do we need to be, I mean, looking for? And, and I guess in the end, if, if we're seeing these signs, some would say – and I've seen it like, well, I can't leave my husband because my children um, – it'll hurt my children. But they're in a relationship that's so bad anyway, the children are already being hurt. But then they don't know they're strong enough to leave and they stay in this pattern. I mean, in the end, codependence, it's just it's not healthy. It's it's not going to turn out good.
4: It's very toxic. And the other important uh, factor in is that codependency is passed on. So especially within families, it becomes systemic. Um, so if a parent is codependent, that's often passed on to the child and then reenacted when the child grows up mm. and is in romantic relationships where they're inter- they're reenacting it right. and trying to resolve some of those issues. Um, so it, it really is this, it can become a very generational thing that has this rever- reverberation effect. Um, and, and then further complicates, you know, once the, once you're grown up and trying to deal with your parents, um, and you're both struggling as codependent. Yeah, it can really complicate things.
0: I mean, it's and we, we I guess we we think this is normal. Is is that the idea? Is that why we're not necessarily fixing it? Is that we don't sense that it's us? I mean, why do why do people stay codependent?
4: There is a huge degree of denial. Um, in, in some sense, you know, codependents are generally. Wonderful people.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um,
4: it's almost like it, a lot of their strengths are they're, they're very kind, they're very thoughtful, and conscientious. Um, you know, we talk about one of the signs being that you're the person who is happy on the outside, always smiling, trying to keep up the morale, trying to keep the team together because you feel that intense sense of responsibility. And in most contexts, those are really strengths. Um, however, those strengths can be taken to an extreme hmm. to the point where other people might manipulate them or abuse them. And that's then where that dynamic gets set up.
0: Wow. I mean, it really is. And, and it's so pervasive. It's, you see this a lot, I'm sure in your practice.
4: Yes. And most people can't see it because when you're in the weeds, you know, you can't see the forest. Yeah. Um, so it can go on for, for years and over the course of different relationships. So a lot of times if I'm working with someone and they've had a series of relationships that has ended in a very messy, dramatic way, or they've attracted the same type of person who's bad for them again and again and again, those are red flags right off the top to me that, okay, we have to look at some of this, some of these dependents and Really, it's an addiction to other people.
0: Yeah, um, and, and and to being addiction. liked by other people, right? To being needed exactly. and liked.
4: The approval factor of other people. Yeah. Rather than finding that uh, that approval from within, we seek it externally through confirmation from other people.
0: Wow. Let's do this. Let's take a break. Uh, again, we're talking with Melody and uh, Melody Wilding from MelodyWilding.com. And she's talking to us about codependent relationships. Let's, we'll come back. And get into some solutions. How do you kind of break this pattern? How do you break from being a codependent? And also, really, how do you move toward being more interdependent? To find your independence, your ability to move on, to not always need the people or the relationship as desperately as you might. And find some freedom there, but also find some help more on codependency right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to The Matt Townsend Show. On the phone with us is Melody Wilding from MelodyWilding.com. She uh, authored a a wonderful article about 13 signs you are in a codependent relationship. And now she's walking us through how to to kind of detach from it. How do you get out of that codependency? Um, It really is such an interesting cycle. And Many of my clients I can see are in that pattern, and they don't even notice the pattern. So, Melody, uh, again, welcome back. She's, a, she's an LMSW, uh, licensed master's of social work, and works with clients all the time that are, that are processing through this codependent relationship. Melody, welcome back. And what are we supposed to do? How do we break free from it?
4: Well, I think the first step, after you've gone through some of these signs, you yourself within them a little too much, it feels a little too close to home and uncomfortable. The first step is to recognize, it sounds a little counterintuitive, but recognize how you're benefiting from the codependency.
0: Yeah. Because there's some reason you keep doing it, so it serves you some way.
4: Exactly. So the cycle is being perpetuated because you're getting certain needs needs met through it. Um, And it's Whenever you think of a relationship or a family, uh, you know, we like to think of them as systems. It's not just one person acting in isolation. It's two, three, or more people acting together to kind of keep this system in place. Right. And with codependency, um, the person who is addicted or who may have the uh, identifying issue, um, they may have certain problems, but you do as well. And it's important to really... Take ownership over that, rather moving away from that place of blame and denial. Since mm-hmm. that's the strongest block to moving forward at all.
0: See, that's isn't that interesting, and that, that's why I love the idea of independent, kind of becoming an independent. Because then, your your if you can see your part of it, and you can see what your driver is that makes you want to keep participating in the cycle. It only takes one person to change the cycle. Because if you don't play in it. Then it's no longer a cycle exactly that's pretty cool so you 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 just have them start to evaluate that what what else can they do because I mean I've also noticed a lot of times they can they can do it once when you've kind of coached them on it and but mm-hmm. they it takes them a while to get their own legs about them
4: sure sure and it does it takes it takes time and I think it's important to set realistic expectations you're unprogramming years of behavioral patterns so you are going to flip back um, but I think it's I always encourage my clients to think of it in terms of every interaction is a new opportunity for you to make a healthy choice so if you gave your friend money yesterday that's okay figure out why you did it uh, what was behind it what need it was serving for you maybe it was you wanted to feel That like someone relied on you or you are important, that's okay. Let's figure out, okay, how can we refigure your life to get more of that uh, need for recognition met and you have another chance. So inserting some of that optimism into it and not that, oh, I keep falling back into this pattern, it's hopeless. Mm -hmm. Every situation is a new opportunity to make a better decision.
0: And, And this is just awareness, right? And this is education and information and skills and tools and the more of those you get by recognizing the pattern um, just the better off you are L- truly the more independent you are in the relationship
4: absolutely and one of the best rules of thumb I think is uh, if you're if you're met with a request from the person let's say um, you know you, you have to distinguish, it can be helpful to distinguish if that person is asking you for something they want or something they need. Um, So, for example, let's say it's a parent um, and an adult child who may be drug addicted. Um, That person may want certain types of food in the house and will throw a fit if they get home and they don't have the certain flavor of whatever they wanted Right, right. And... And then that perpetuates that cycle of you continuing to serve their needs and, and patching everything over. That's a want. Yeah. A need, on the other hand, maybe they need to be driven to a doctor's appointment. So that's a great rule of thumb to ask, mm. okay, if it's a need, uh, is this is me acting upon it and satisfying their need going to help them get better. So something like a doctor's appointment might help them Grow in the right direction, making that person more independent. If right. I can bring them to the doctor, they're going to continue with their treatment. Then that's consistent with helping that person grow. Mm-hmm.
0: And it's hard because in a codependent relationship, there's a lot of manipulation, right? So your your spouse might try to convince you that a need is a want, and a want is a need, and and they might browbeat you, and you know, use every tool they can to get you to 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 bite
4: exactly and assertive learning assertive communication is so important learning Uh, to when you put your foot down stick to it and state your needs and preferences very clearly is important
0: and and, and boundaries right like like have a firm boundary know where the line is and just don't pass and if you're married to an addict you can go get a lot of skills just by going to their programs and talking to their counselors.
4: Exactly. Boundaries and bottom lines are really at the crux of uh, overcoming codependency. And, you know, I would be remiss not to mention that therapy can work very well for people who are in these situations and oftentimes would be highly recommended if not necessary. Um, And especially if you're in more of a dangerous or high risk, situation very important
0: that your safety comes first. Mhm. Yeah, I mean if you're if if in this codependent relationship you're being abused, you have to have a boundary. You have to be done. You have to say I can't do this. It doesn't mean you can't work on it when in a safer environment. You just can't be in that unsafe space.
2: Mhm.
0: It's it's really a hard thing, isn't it? Because you're the, every time you're you're trying to deal with this, you you're, you always have to go back to your Achilles heel, your weakness.
4: That's true. That's true. It's it's actually a strength. So that's what I, I like to refocus people yeah. on is how can you be leveraging with uh, extreme conscientiousness and kindness and caring personality you have. In ways that are healthier for you, rather than these
0: unhealthy ones that you've been stuck in. Mm. It's such a—it really is. It's—it's it's a pernicious pattern, and we, we fall into it kind of so slowly that we don't even realize you're—you know—you're boiling in the pot. But I, right. you know, but I also think there's nothing more powerful when than when they finally get it right, and they can start to see. And even well, isn't it neat, Melody, as we talk about codependent relationships? We don't need to be 100% perfect at this. You just need to be 15% better. And then that el- that helps you the next time be 22% better.
4: Exactly.
0: And more independent. So independence doesn't have to come overnight. It can just come one discussion at a time. And if you can hold more ground every time, you can eventually reach independence.
4: Yeah, and I see, I work with and and see a lot of clients who are just so relieved to find out there's a name for something like this, Yeah, feelings that they have struggled with for so long or patterns they have tried to break and feel helpless to. It's really empowering also just to educate yourself about codependency, understand how it works, get a better grip on family dynamics. Uh, that information in itself can be powerful and can help you then see more objectively right. in your own life where it's happening rather than being in that constant state of reactivity and and high high tension.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and and it's I mean it and that tension it, it just keeps perpetuating itself and the walls keep falling in on itself and um where my need to be with somebody or my fear of having to go be alone keeps me with somebody, which allows them to be emotionally unattentive or inattentive or unavailable. And it's, like, it's kind of like my sins justify your sins. My weaknesses justify your weaknesses. Yours justify mine. And that spiral, it will always leave you empty. So if you're constantly empty, I guess that's the real sign, isn't it? If you just can't yeah. get ahead then you've got, to, you've got to be able to carry your own sunlight in the relationship. And That's exactly yeah, right. Yeah, and if you can't, then nobody's you're, – because you're never going to get it fed by another person.
4: You can't cure the other person. You can't change another person. All you can control is your own reaction. So you can nail on the head.
0: Yeah. It's interesting stuff. Um, really great, uh, great insight. Melody, as we wrap it up, what would you say is the one thing? I always ask for the one thing that makes the biggest difference to to just start to break the codependent cycle. What would you say, you know, is the 80% the one thing that creates the, the biggest leveraged movement in the beginning?
4: Boundaries, much better boundaries and bottom lines.
0: Boundaries and bottom lines. And you got to know what yours is, right? Before you can, you know, ever even dream about it.
4: Yeah, you got to define it. You have to work through all the possible scenarios and how you'll be challenged. Um, but it's very important to know what they are for you, where what you're no longer willing to tolerate. Right. That's the only way things will change.
0: That's good. Good stuff. Well, Melody Wilding, we appreciate you, everybody. Go to her website, MelodyWilding.com. Uh, great, great articles that, that come out of there, as well as some free training you can sign up for there and uh, learn how to work with Melody if you want some help on that appreciate it, uh, good stuff codependent, it's a complicated idea, but it really is, it's just a system you hurt me, which justifies me hurting you, even though it's against my values and off we go, hurting each other, and again we only need one, one to change it one to be the different uh, different player Let's have that be you so you don't have to suffer. It's, uh, it's independence, friends. We'll take a break, and when we come back, we are going to, of course, uh, do a little bit of a movie preview with Rod Gustafson from parentpreviews.com. Up next, we'll find out what's uh, in the theaters that you uh, would dare share with your family. This is the Mad Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to The Matt Townsend Show. Hey, uh, as we like to do on the on Friday shows, we want to set you up for the weekend so you can go watch some movies. Our movie, our movie critic, Rod Gustafson, is joining us. Rod comes from parentpreviews.com where they uh, go out and they specialize in reviewing movies and media from a parent's perspective just to make sure that it's a show that we would want our kids to watch or not. And uh, Rod's here to uh, walk us through some of the movies that uh, that are out in the theaters today. Rod, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you, Matt. You, what are What are you planning for Mother's Day, Rod? Uh, I'm sure a movie will be involved.
6: <laughs> well, it's funny you should bring that up. If you go to parentpreviews.com and check out, click on our news tab, you will find the top story is five great Mother's Day movies. Oh, great! I so could give you that could give you an idea of a few movies that you might be able yeah. to share with your mom if you'd like to do that. Oh, that's
0: great. That's a great idea. And so um, that's just on your website, huh? You just go find. It
6: is. It is, and actually, when you go through the list, there's actually we've we've added to it. I realized yesterday as I was looking to the, at this list, I thought we've got a lot more than five on there. We need to change the title. There's actually quite a few on there that you can that you can that have moms involved as the major plot line of the story. Sadly, we don't. There's not a lot of movies that do that. Mm-hmm. I wish we had more movies that celebrate motherhood. They're they're a little they're a little rare.
0: Well, there there, there is the famous throw mama from the train. <laughs> but i guess we that's asked. not celebrating we were,
6: we mother were, it, it, working on that train pun we were kind of going down a different okay track
0: okay <laughs> i just want to make sure we were on the same page apparently <laughs> right. i won't be making a list apparently myself yeah, that's, right. <laughs> that's why we need you rod <laughs> well thank you so talk to us uh what what movies are going to be in the theater
6: well, the thing is, uh, is I, uh, I went away on you last week yeah. and wasn't around to do the show. Uh, last week, of course, we had Avengers release, The Age of Ultron, which uh, was shaping up to kind of be one of, the bigger, one of the bigger releases, kind of the movie that was going to start off the, uh, the summer movie season. And uh, it did very, very well, but fell a little bit short. Of the Avengers record that they made with their with their first movie, Um, you know, Matt, I think I'm the wrong guy to do comic book movies. You know, (laughs) some of them I kind of like, but after you watch a few of these, and of course, ever since Disney has licensed the entire, you know, Marvel franchise, we're going to get more and more of these films. And the Avengers is kind of like the all star game for. Those of us who aren 't big comic book followers, this is where we have all of these characters like Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk and Captain America, and they all come together and form the Avengers so you 've got all of these actually great characters there's some big characters in here played by top ranked actors. And yet in two hours and 20 minutes, this is a long movie, <laughs> it seems like we've got about 15 to 20 minutes of story and we've got two hours of boom, bang, crash, kaboom. You know, And, yeah. and after a while, you watch these action scenes and I was falling asleep. And when I left the theater, and, and I like to kind of listen to the little conversations going around on around me with the many other people that are in the theater, you know, and I, I heard these two guys <laughs> – I, I got to do this out without laughing. I heard these two guys, you know, and they're saying, well, there's no way that Iron Man could beat Thor. I mean, oh, Thor geez. would beat Iron Man, idiot. Oh, no, he yeah. wouldn't do that. Thor can't beat Iron Man. And I'm thinking – and they looked like they were about 28 years old. And I thought, okay, <laughs> I am just in the wrong room.
0: Yeah. What am I missing here? I, I mean, I, yeah. so it's like, do I go watch Selma or do I go watch, you know, Avengers? <laughs> Yeah,
6: yeah. So there you go. Uh, By the way, Selma on home video this week, just in case anybody was looking for something to watch at home. I know, I was just looking at
0: that. That's, I think, what I'm going to do for Mother's Day. And by the way,
6: Black or White on home video as well. It's interesting that both these movies about racial politics are releasing on the same week. And, of Uh, course, racial politics being a headline news story right now. Yeah, it's a uh, perfect
0: time, isn't it?
6: Yeah, and they're both very good movies. Anyhow, back to The Avengers. You know what? If you like The Avengers, you're going to like the movie. But if you aren't into comic books, I think you're going to find this to be a bit of a drag at two hours and 20 minutes. We gave it a B minus. You know the good news, if your kids want to go see this, is that there's very little sexual content. There's very little profanity. But you can expect a lot of action violence. And again, it's, I mean, we do have on-screen, you know, killings and that type of thing, but not tons of them this isn't really heavy explicit action violence but there is so much of it that's really what the whole film centers around
0: that's great i mean it is kind of one that maybe that's one you go drop the teens off at and drive away yeah (laughs) go have dinner
6: (laughs) go on a nice two hour you yes parents you've got two hours and 20 minutes eat your dinner
0: (laughs) that's so great oh that is great so that's um and that but that's a you know it's having success right this is a big box office hit right now
6: Oh, yeah, it is. It is. I mean, even though it fell short of the other one, I think it made a hundred and I think somewhere around 187, 188 million over the weekend. The original one, it opened at 207 million. Wow. So, I mean, it's still making a ton of money. It's not like this is a bomb by any stretch of the imagination, but it, it is. It it is falling just a tiny bit short, which uh, you know might be indicative, maybe that you know some of the people like me who aren't hardcore comic book people, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they're choosing to go see something else or wait for the home video.
0: Yeah, it's it's uh, the, uh, you can almost just see all the branding and all of the the toys and video games and everything that's going to come out with all of these Marvel oh, comics. Yes,
6: yeah, yeah, you know oh. it. it it was an incredible purchase by Disney when they, you know, when they license, they purchase is the wrong word, because when they set up this licensing agreement with Marvel, because, you know, part of, part of making a movie successful is these days people want instant success, okay? So it, having characters that so many people are already familiar with. It's like you know, it's like an instant drink. Just to have water, and you've already got the character set up. You've got many of the storylines established, and so most of these movies are made with the idea that you've already got a pretty good idea, like who the Incredible Hulk is. Even I knew who he was. Yeah, right. But, you know that. Whereas there are, you know, there are. There's a character, and oh boy, I'm going to get myself in trouble because I can't even remember his name. <laughs> he's an he's an archer, and oh, Hawkeye is the character. By Jeremy Renner, yeah. No, okay, Matt, have you heard of Hawkeye? Uh, like
8: you
0: have. Just on Mash. Oh, <laughs> just on okay, yeah, Matt. the TV. <laughs> sorry. sitcom yeah, Hawkeye, sorry. but I'm yeah. yeah
6: there, there's no Colonel Blake in this, or uh, yeah, Frank Burns is not part of it. Okay, this. darn it. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm so dated
6: so, there. So you know, I didn't have a clue. I'm like, who's the guy with the arrow? But you know, I, most everybody else in my screening was like, all right, Hawkeye, go Hawkeye. I heard once, I heard one woman say, I'm so glad he's in this movie because Hawkeye never gets enough appreciation. Okay, so there you go.
0: (laughs) Wow. It's a whole different cult, isn't it? It's just like this. It is. It's, wow. You gave it a B-minus overall.
6: Yeah, yeah. B for boredom and the minus for too much (laughs) violence.
0: Okay, there you go. Well, that made it easy. Uh, You (laughs) you also talked a little bit about uh, Hot Pursuit. That's the movie out with Reese Witherspoon and Sofia Vergara.
6: Yes, and this is the movie that's out this week. Now, hard to believe we had Reese Witherspoon in the movie Wild, which was up for a lot of awards. Through award season, quite an amazing movie. Sadly, can't recommend Wild for family viewing because it it had a fair fair amount of language in it. But actually, interesting message in Wild. But anyhow, nonetheless, even though we couldn't recommend that one for family viewing, Reese Witherspoon, amazing actress, did an incredible job. But here she is in Hot Pursuit, which is this comedy (laughs) about these two women who uh, Reese Witherspoon plays a police officer who is very short and, <laughs> and kind of has been relegated to, taking, to uh, taking evidence in the evidence room, you know, kind of downstairs in the basement. Well, somehow she gets roped into this idea that there's this big drug cartel and they want to shoot this one guy that's turned on them. And so she's been sent out to protect his wife. Well, What happens, the guy winds up getting shot, and then these two women wind up having to run from the drug guys, and then later on they're running from the police, and this is just silliness from the get-go. Now, here's the best thing. You remember uh, Statler and Waldorf, the two Muppets? Yeah, The Muppet film critics, yeah, they yeah. used to always say, that was boring, that was stupid, it was <laughs> short, we loved it. And this is exactly Hot Pursuit. Hot Pursuit is about 80, I think it's about 87 minutes long. Perfect. And right about the point where you're thinking, oh, this is really stupid, I can't take it anymore, the credits start rolling and you happily leave <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's <laughs> so great. This is boring, this is stupid. Yes, it's... but it's
6: short. <laughs> <laughs> I love
0: it. Yeah. That is so, great. So, so you gave it a C. Watched,
6: we gave it a C. And, you know, there's, there are some on-screen shootings in this film. There is some violence, even though it is a comedy. It's all done somewhat within a comedic uh, context. Uh, there is some sexual discussion in it. They gets somewhat explicit, even though there is really no uh, overt on-screen sexual moments. Uh, and we do have some profanity in this as well. All of our grades are coming in in the Cs. There's a joke involving crack, uh, cocaine as well. So we've got some drug use in there too. So not recommended for families, not recommended for intelligent people either. <laughs> uh, overall, AC grade.
0: Oh, that's great. Man, Rod, I'm so glad you're there. Now I'll just show it to my wife so she won't want to watch that. I'll just show her your review. Well,
6: well and I must admit, in fairness to this movie, I did laugh about five times. There were – there the two of them, there were a couple of funny moments that I think they could have turned it into – much more yeah. you know, these are both I think relatively capable
0: actresses right and, uh, maybe and then, what, yeah, what this, you need to do Rod together. is just give us the time cues for the funny parts and then we'll <laughs> get yeah, it on DVD right. and we'll go watch those five yes. parts
6: yes that's right yes
0: you're yeah, awesome I'll
6: talk, to, I'll talk to the folks at Clearplay about, about yes. making <laughs> a whole new version of Clearplay <laughs> that right. only shows you the five funny parts of the movie yes. <laughs>
0: you'll tick off a lot of people uh, Rod right, we appreciate it. you great work there from parentpreviews.com Rod Gustafson Uh, just a great resource for all of us parents to make sure our children are seeing the the things we want them to see. We'll take a break. Come back more news after this uh, break right here on the Matt Townsend show. Oh no, good morning. It's the beginning of a show, isn't it? It's this this music throws me. How are you, everybody? Welcome to the program. We lost one of our songs. It just disappeared. If anybody sees the opening song of our show just floating around out there, could you send it back to uh, BYU.edu. We need to find it. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. This is the program where we give you the tools, the ideas, a leg up so you can go make the decisions you need to make with your family, your friends. We're trying to give you as many resources, as many just ideas as as you can get. It's hard. Life is hard and it doesn't get easier just because, you know, you're getting older, right? Today we'll be talking about emotional intelligence. You know, they used to believe forever that if you had a really high IQ, that's all you needed; you were set for life. Uh, Research, though, in the last thirty years, has been talking more about you got to have an emotional intelligence. You got to kind of have the ability to manage your emotion and and to lower the emotion of others. We'll be getting into that today. Uh, Also, we'll be talking with the guys from BYU Sports Nation, and this just in: our own James Birdzall is going to be calling in. From the honeymoon, our hero of the day. Oh He's, wait, he will be our hero of the day because he, you know, we we're calling we're calling to see it was it's been six days since his wedding. He owes us. We left him alone. <laughs> he owes us. Yeah. So we're we're gonna call in check, make sure they're alive. I mean, I was surprised he didn't call. He never called once. I called him like fifty-eight times. Mm. Left long, long <laughs> messages.
1: Like it, it would, the, the recording would end uh-huh. and then you'd call back and finish what oh, yeah. you were saying. I'm like, you got to get a longer recorder. Yeah. It's ridiculous.
0: But now we're going to talk to him today. But we're, and we saved it to the end of the show because we didn't, he actually asked for just a, a very specific amount of time and he knew that that was the segment that we have to end at a certain time. Yeah. It's shorter and, yeah. yeah. So we just want to make sure he's alive. That and might well. be.
1: Reflective on you and uh-huh. keeping you well, I Well, I think it was more about the producer. Okay. You guys called him. I didn't. Yeah. You're the producer. Case in point. <clears throat>
0: Anywho, uh, any news going on? Anything going on?
1: Well, Mother's Day Sunday. Mm-hmm. I promised some in- info on that. Yeah. Uh, many Mother's Day celebrations worldwide are quite different or have quite different origins and traditions. Most have now been influenced by the more recent American tradition established by Anna Jarvis, who campaigned for the holiday. Organized by Jarvis, the first official Mother's Day was celebrated at St. Andrew's Methodist Church in Grafton, West Virginia, which about 1908, around there, uh, now holds an international Mother's Day shrine at her place. Previous attempts at establishing Mother's Day in the U.S. sought to promote peace by means of honoring mothers who had lost... Or were sick risk of losing their sons to war. Wow.
0: Oh, okay.
1: May tenth, nineteen thirteen, US House of Representatives passed a resolution calling on all federal government officials from the president down to wear a white carnation. The following day, in observance, a mother's, mother's Day. On May 8, 1914, U.S. Congress passed a law designating the second Sunday in May as a Mother's Day and requesting a proclamation. Hmm. The next day, President Woodrow Wilson issued a proclamation declaring the first National Mother's Day as a day for American citizens to show the flag in honor of those mothers whose sons they had lost in war. Wow. I and mean, that's great history. There you go. I didn't know that. I love Wikipedia. Wikipedia, where would we be? All right. It's the it's where everything is. It's now our encyclopedia. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Sorry, world book. Sorry. <laughs> I mean back in the day, I would I'd have to go look and pray that, that any of that information was even in my encyclopedia. Right. Thumb through it, know that one of my encyclopedias was missing. Usually. And then hopefully it wasn't, you know, that and number. That I would letter, always, I mean.
1: I'd always ponder why the Z had so much information in it. The Z volume had so much information in it. It did? Yeah. And you'd actually ponder that? Well, I was a little kid. You didn't have TV, did you? I did, but it wasn't as good as it is now, so I had more time to ponder random things. That's right. The American economy created 223,000 jobs last month, according to today's report from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. That's a big bounce back from the anemic 126 jobs in March that was actually adjusted lower to 39,000
0: jobs. Yeah. March was tough. March was a hard – March went out like a lamb.
1: So the unemployment rate was – sits at 5.4
0: percent, the lowest it's been in seven years. That's great. And again, just remember these numbers are always coming from the government, which means they've been made up.
1: Generally, and then the next month they adjust them higher or lower yeah, depending, depending on whatever metrics. We so. add
0: and we take stuff out. So, it, but in the end, it, it this month is better than last month. There is a positive trend. That's a great.
1: Unless trend. they adjust it down by one hundred thousand jobs. <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, Messina, yes, he was a uh, trying to find Jim Messina. He was a uh, aide in the president or Obama's election in twenty twelve. Okay, uh, he led up. Uh, Prime Minister David Cameron's campaign, as he was one of the chief advisors, really. Uh, so he helped President Obama win election in 2012, and David Cameron in Britain yesterday. Wow! Same, you know, so he's, yeah, he's, that advisor he, he's having a key influence there. Um, he has prevailed over the efforts of his former top Obama aide, David Axelrod, who advised the Labor Party. So the two biggest parties over there were being advised by two former oh, Obama. Election staffers.
0: Again, this because they're, they're skilled players, so th- th- they'll be on any team.
1: Yeah. It's a matter of give us a message, give us a candidate, we'll make it work. Interesting.
0: Oh, that's got to be hard to lose if you're Axelrod. Yeah. Especially when you know the guy you're yeah, you, competing against. Yeah. You taught him all you know. Or whatever.
1: In another story, one that made me laugh. What? A Nebraska man has been accused of stealing a riding lawnmower from a Walmart... And driving it off the lot. The local report says a sheriff deputy found a man driving the mower Wednesday about 10 miles from the store where it was stolen during the weekend. 49-year-old Gershman uh, Gillett was arrested and charged with one count each of theft by shopping and criminal mischief. Security footage shows a man entering the store, fueling up the lawnmower. So he brought a gas can with him, (laughs) filled up the lawnmower, and he also brought... A uh something to cut the chain link fence where the mower was stored and driving away with it. Did and nobody noticed the mower starting? <laughs> I, I don't think so. Down the Walmart aisle. It also says he cuts through another fence to get on to the freeway and just drove it home. Wow.
0: That guy's industrious. Yes.
1: So he, he he stole a lawnmower. He brought gas with him. Yeah. He also brought wire cutters, so he cut lo- cut through chain link. Fence. This was planned.
0: This, this was is premeditated, premeditated mower theft. Mower theft from a Walmart. You know what it was all for? It was for Mama. I He's imagine it was Mama. a Mother's Day gift. Oh yeah, mothers love sit down mowers. <laughs> they love the riding mower. It's See, just it's just it says Mama. The
1: other thing, you go into hardware stores, and these lawnmowers are all lined up in front of the stores this time right. of year. They're all chained together.
0: Yeah, I thought that's what was happening. Is he just drove off with like a barbecue grill chain to him, <laughs> dragging so, a barbecue grill?
1: It doesn't say if he brought bolt cutters to cut through the log chain they usually wrap around yeah. these things. What but he guy. really had to put some effort for. I mean, there he could
0: be the hero. of the day He could for, be the I mean, hero. It was of the illegal, day. right? So we don't want to make we're not promoting illegal behavior. Illegal. But but you know what? That guy had some gumption. He had some planning, some forethought. Mm-hmm. I bet he had overalls on. I, think I don't most, know why, but I bet he had overalls. I think
1: most people would walk in and go, oh, that'd be a great lawnmower to steal. And go, oh, it's chained up. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. Hey, now, who's and gonna there's gonna no think,
0: gas. Who's going to think, go get some gas? Right. I would just, I guess if, if you were going to be like this, you'd go steal a gas can, go steal some gas, come back over. you got to walk the whole way because <laughs> you, you need to take your ride back.
1: Right. Unless yeah. he just left his truck in the parking lot because they, they'll let you park overnight. True point. Why wouldn't he just put it in his truck then? Let's well, go that. steal some two by fours or whatever. While you're stealing a lawnmower, why not? Why not? It's not like you're going to get any more in trouble. <sighs> yeah. Think of that.
0: Next time he ought to just figure out how to buy one. Well. I mean, the same energy. So they finally caught him like 10 miles?
1: They said they they caught him. How they, fast
0: is this mower? <laughs> was he I wearing a helmet? He,
1: I, the story read that he was kind of driving down the freeway, so. I think he was intoxicated. But he was 10 miles from the freeway. That took forever. The lawnmower goes like, what, 5, 10 miles an hour at the most?
0: Oh, yeah, unless you take the governor off or whatever. (laughs) The governor? Then you just (laughs) open that bad boy Open it
1: up to 15.
0: Woo! Interesting. What was his name? His name was Gershom Gillette. Mm. That's half the problem right there. Gershom. Gershom Gillette. Uh, Or is that his stage name? Yeah, could That's be good. a stage name. It's good a good stuff. name, though. Good name, well, though. Very good name. Stolen lawnmowers. Gershom Gillette. Uh, well, there you have it, folks. Um, if you if you don't have a Mother's Day gift yet, um, follow Gershom's lead and go buy your mom a sit-down mower. Put the same amount of planning
1: that he put into the yeah. theft into a thoughtful gift from your mother we're not advising you to go out and illegally do Don't anything steal
0: anything just go buy a sit-down mower but, and then put vinyl lettering on it that says this is mama's mowing machine
1: put some forethought into it put some planning just like he did in his theft of a lawnmower yeah <laughs> good job yeah put the energy
0: little backbone inspirational story that negative Beautiful. Beautiful. but inspirational yeah. no totally well done um we are going to take a break when we come back we'll be getting into uh, the concept of emotional intelligence travis bradbury will be joining us he is the author of the book emotional intelligence 2.0 and is an expert and has been studying emotional intelligence for many many years now dr travis bradbury teaching us how to be able to be more effective with our own emotions and the emotions of others. 18 behaviors we'll be going over of emotionally intelligent people. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, for years we thought uh, that being an intelligent person made it so obviously you'd be more successful in the world except re- research has shown that having you know high in- intellect doesn't always equate to you know making money being happy having relationships making a, m- a marriage work in a healthy way so i guess what we wanted to do to the experts and have them teach us about another form of intelligence that's really becoming very popular in the in the studies today uh, called emotional intelligence, which is your ability to manage your emotion, to recognize your emotion, to recognize the emotion of others, and to get people to buy into your emotion. Dr. Travis Bradbury's is joining us. He's the author of um, the award winning book Emotional Intelligence 2.0 and the founder of Talent Smart, which is the world's leading provider of emotional intelligence tests. He basically uh, has been studying this for many years and he's here to teach us about what are some of the traits, some of the things we can do to improve our emotional intelligence. Dr. Travis Bradbury, welcome to The Matt Townsend Show.
9: Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me.
0: Great to have you. Talk to us about uh, emotional intelligence. I mean, Daniel Goleman wrote one of the first, you know, popularized books about it. But, but how, how is emotional intelligence different than, uh, like, IQ tests and what the IQ test teaches us?
9: Well, emotional intelligence is a separate function in the brain. It's um, a a separate cognitive capacity. It's distinct from your IQ. Your IQ is the pace through which you can absorb new information. It's the same at age five as it is at age 50. They've actually done longitudinal studies where they follow people and found that IQ doesn't change. Now, emotional intelligence, uh, rather than being how fast you learn information, It's how well you understand emotions, both in yourself and in other people, and what you do with that information, how you respond to them. So it's this other kind of smart. And unlike IQ, emotional intelligence is something that you can actually change and improve with effort. The area in the brain that is responsible for emotional intelligence is what uh, neurologists call plastic. Mm. And that means it's malleable and it can actually change and and grow new connections with effort.
0: So, So really it's... It's it's changeable, it's learnable. This is a behavior. Emotional intelligence is a learnable, teachable uh ability of intelligence um and and we as we get better at it, uh it becomes almost I guess more permanent for us.
9: Yeah, it's it's absolutely learnable and teachable. It's something that uh most of us are not exposed to growing up and even into our uh through our education, university days. They're starting to teach it more in MBA programs and the like, but you know, by and large, it's not a skill that people have because it's not a skill that they've really worked on. Um, my company has tested more than a million people now, and we find that just 36% of people are, accu- are able to accurately identify their emotions in the moment. So hmm. just 36% of us are really aware of our emotions and understand them, and it's just because it's something that, you know, we're not taught growing up.
0: And, and what's, what is the greatest benefit of being able to recognize my emotion?
9: Well, emotions are the primary driver of our behavior. Our brains are hardwired to give emotions the upper hand. Um, in the caveman days, when a saber-toothed tiger jumped out from behind a rock, this was great because it made you act, you didn't think, you reacted, you went to safety. But nowadays, uh, you know, when a coworker sends you a curt email um, from down the hall, yeah. and you react without thinking, without engaging your rational mind, you let that emotion take over, that's, that's not such a good thing. So, you know, with emotions being this primary driver of our behavior, they, 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 they um, are the impetus through which we act, um, being um, aware of them, mastering them, understanding them, responding to them effectively,
0: is, it's just, it's essential. This is great. And in, you have an article that was in, I guess, time.com that talked about the, the the 18 behaviors of emotionally intelligent people. Talk us through some of these. What are some of the behaviors that uh that that are most valuable when it comes to emotional intelligence
9: well there are many uh the the first one is having a robust emotional voc- vocabulary and we we say that's a sign of emotional intelligence because if if you don't spend time thinking about emotions if you don't understand them then it's very unlikely that you have words for them hmm. that you can effectively describe them
0: <laughs> you like Matt, mad mad Matt mad I mean right. there's 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 other words for it right I mean you can get into and, and that I guess creates the gradation of our emotion
9: absolutely absolutely it's there's a lot of nuance with emotion and and emotionally intelligent people are able to identify them you know spot that emotion before Matt is mad when Matt is maybe um, confused yeah. or Matt yeah. is, is surprised um, then then he can do something with that before it leads to anger and, and yelling at people so this robust emotional vocabulary is a big sign.
0: Well, and it separates us it seems like from the rest of the like just the the more reactive type of animals. We don't we don't just have to react, we can actually use language to process and think.
9: Well, and, and if you study the animal brain, you know, all the 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 area of the brain where emotions are housed, are really closely tied to the primitive brain, the aspects of the brain that a lot of, of, uh, you know, sort of higher order mammals share. It's the rational part of the brain, which is all the way, it's above your eyes, basically, Um, mostly above your left eye. Um, this is the a part of the brain that a lot of other creatures don't have. It was later to develop and it has a lot to do with our, the self-awareness that, that humans have that other creatures don't have.
0: Hmm. And th- is that the prefrontal cortex? It is. Yeah. yeah. And so cortex. when we get into that, again, it's, it's just, it's, a, it's a simple little journey from that little primitive brain, the fight or flight brain to this higher brain. It's just, we have to choose to fight to make that pathway, don't we? We have to learn that pathway.
9: Yeah, you have to choose, choose to find it, choose to understand it, and and recognize when you're getting hijacked hmm. by your emotions.
0: Um, talk about uh, talk about a little bit about um, the kind of your willingness to not offend. Because isn't that one of the behaviors? Is you just don't you, you you don't get offended?
9: Yeah, and that really ties to social awareness, which is uh, one of the four emotional intelligence skills. And people, people who are, are socially aware spend more time thinking about other people than they do about themselves when they're in a social interaction. So rather than you know, thinking about what, they're, what you're going to say next, how what the other person is saying affects you, you're trying to see the world from their perspective. And you're picking up on a lot of nonverbal um, cues, all the stuff that's sort of beneath the surface they might not be telling you with their words. And as a result of this focus, um, people tend to be hard to offend. It's, it's um, you know, when you, when you understand where the other person is coming from, you're a lot, you're much more likely to uh, take them with a grain of salt yeah. and, and understand some of the, the, the hiccups, you know, the sort of uh, um, edgier or, or confrontational things that they say you tend to absorb it more uh, more easily.
0: Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, and is it different, Travis, with different people? Like, am I more likely to be offended by my spouse than I am my boss?
9: Well, yes. And this is why one of our our big recommendations, um, and it's actually part of the reason I wrote the article, is that um, we recommend that you test yourself. You get your emotional intelligence tested so that you can know where you stand. Uh, That's the reason uh, my book, Emotional Intelligence 2.0, includes a passcode, so that you can go online, take an emotional intelligence test, and know what your need areas are. Mm. So it actually pinpoints, this is a need area for you, Um, this is a strength for you, and here's the strategies from the book that you should work on first. Um, so absolutely we have these, these, um, unique needs, each of us, because we all have different strengths and weaknesses when it comes to emotional intelligence. Now, when I write, I can't, uh, you know, give every, everyone the test. It's not quite that simple. There's a lot of calculations and stuff that go on behind the scenes. So I wrote the article to give people a sign of, well, if you have these things, you may have a high EQ, but the only way to know for sure is to test
0: yourself. That's great. And then you can break it down and start working in specific areas. And there's. There's millions of tools in probably every one of these areas to just enhance those. That's fantastic. So that you, if they go to talentsmart.com, they'll be able to see the book but also do the testing and the evaluations there.
9: Yeah, yeah. It's on TalentSmart, and it's in all the any, – anywhere you buy a book, it's there as
0: well. That's great. And, and there's a passcode that's part of the book that can get you in. Let's take a break. Again, we're talking with Dr. Travis Bradbury from Emotional Intelligence 2.0. Uh, when we come back, we'll continue into some of these other behaviors that uh, are, are demonstrated by people that are emotionally intelligent. And what's cool is you're, you're probably pretty strong at a bunch of them, maybe 8, nine, ten, or whatever, but there's others that you might want to work on and to just start targeting might be very, very helpful, especially just to your own emotion. <laughs> emotionally intelligent people can then relax a little bit when they need to relax And can maybe find more peace of mind, more peace in the relationship with other people. We'll take a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to The Matt Townsend Show. On the phone with us is uh, our, our guest, uh, Tr- Dr. Travis Bradbury, author of the book Emotional Intelligence 2.0 and founder of the organization called Talentsmart.com. It's a place where you can go be assessed, evaluated uh, based on your emotional intelligence. And we're finding uh, in the research that being an emotionally intelligent person is, is probably a better indicator of success than even your iq uh is that right travis absolutely uh
9: what we find is that people with average iqs outperform those with the highest iqs 70 percent of the time and what you find in in the workplace is you have these threshold levels of competence for iq so If you're a physician, it's very likely that you have an IQ of about 125, 130 or above. Mm -hmm. So if you have an IQ of an 80 and you have really high EQ, you're probably not going to become a physician. Right. But once you reach that threshold of competence, the minimum amount needed to enter uh, whatever your profession is, not just physicians. We see this in all fields. It's your emotional intelligence that sets you apart. Uh, because the, the IQ just can't take you. You know, if you have a 150 against a physician with a 130, it just won't take you there. It's all this other sphere of confidence um, competence that determines
0: That's true success. Well, it's like the bedside manner, right? You could be a great doctor but and brilliant, but if you can't relate and read people and understand and know how to communicate it, then, yeah, I'm not going to like you.
9: Yeah, and it's also how you spend your time, right, how you make decisions. I mean, if, if you're an emotional wreck... Um, your IQ won't won't take you anywhere. You that's won't true. Even spend your time uh,
0: effectively. That's great. So so you've you've put together in the article that's on time.com eighteen behaviors to kind of help people, and then anybody can go to talentsmartrightnow.com dot com and and take an assessment or get the book Emotional Intelligence Two Point there will be a passcode, go to Talent Smart and be assessed on it. Help me understand how one of the great uh, behaviors of uh, an emotionally intelligent person, they have the ability to neutralize toxic people. Talk about that.
9: Um, absolutely. Um, I actually wrote a – I'm in the, uh, the LinkedIn Influencer Program, and I wrote a separate article about this that, that was really popular just on this subject because, you know, toxic and extremely difficult people are – they're kind of uh, confusing, you know. Yeah. They, they they throw you uh, they throw you off, and, and they can really be incredibly distracting. But emotionally intelligent people, like I said uh, earlier, they're very socially aware, so they really understand where people are coming from, and they tend to cut these people off at the pass. They they um, the way they neutralize them is through barriers. So they understand very well. Where this person is coming from, Mm. which in this case is probably a lot of negative things. You know, they're they're a very difficult person. They are perhaps too needy, um, too pushy, et cetera, et cetera. But they understand all these things about them, and that enables them to put barriers up and keep them from wreaking havoc, or keep this other individual from wreaking havoc in their own life. And so that awareness really equips you to deal with. Um, great people and it equips you to deal with really difficult people as
0: well. That's interesting. And what a great, you know, a talent and, and something to, or just sit there and be, you know, totally burnt out by toxic people. If you can kind of almost build that barrier, it seems to help. Another thing in your writings that you talk about is the fact that, uh, emotionally intelligent people, they don't seek perfection.
9: Absolutely. Um, perfection is is this uh unobtainable standard and often people will pursue it uh to the point of sort of wearing themselves out you know it's it's a it's a dysfunctional pursuit yeah so emotionally intelligent people will set more realistic goals you know they have these very high standards um, even potentially unrealistic standards that they strive for but they don't get disappointed when they don't reach an unrealistic goal so it 's always striving to be your best, but it 's knowing when your best is enough
0: hmm. yeah, and accepting it huh
9: absolutely has a lot to do with
0: it I mean because these are all just little tiny issues that tend to beat people down this you know the driving for perfection, toxic relationships of others. you even say emotional intelligence can help us say no to people
9: absolutely and and all of these things are, are emotionally driven events. That pursuit of perfection is, you know, perhaps an overwhelming need to be better than you really are, to prove yourself to someone, you know, in a way that isn't realistic. And saying no to people is a, is a, a really similar thing. You know, people, um, we want to please other people, and sometimes that, you know, it's, well, it's always an emotionally driven event, but sometimes it gets the better of us, and we end up overcommitting ourselves. So people who are emotionally intelligent are not afraid to say no because they know that when they are saying no, they're honoring their existing commitments. So they're actually um, doing justice to the people they've already committed themselves to, and, and that gives them the, the personal space to say no and be comfortable with it, even if it's disappointing the person that's in front of them.
0: It's such an interesting little dynamic. How many of our outward problems are really just an emotional you know, issue that we're having. Um, how do you go about, once we've assessed ourselves and we know where we are on the emotional intelligence kind of scale, how do you go about helping us retrain, regroup, and, and, and become better at this?
9: Well, it's, it's all about practice. So your brain has uh, pathways that are traveling between the rational and emotional centers of your brain. And these pathways facilitate existing habits. So if you are a yeller, there's a pathway that supports that because you've always done it. And your brain loves efficiency. So if you want to uh, practice a new behavior, like let's say instead of yelling, explaining yourself to people or explaining why you're upset. <clears throat> Excuse me. Coughing is great for radio. <laughs> <laughs> been under the weather last week. So... If you want to uh, implement a new behavior, you need to actually practice this and force your brain to build a new pathway. Like I said, it loves efficiency, though, so the first time you bite your tongue and stop yourself from yelling, it's really, really hard to do. It's very difficult. Right. And once you do it two or three or four or ten times, you'll actually catch yourself doing it without even thinking about it. And that's the sign that your brain has actually built, your neurons have branched out to each other, built new pathways that actually are facilitating this behavior because your brain wants that efficiency. So Mm. it's all about practice, leaning into that discomfort and biting the bullet at the first you know several times you have to do something until you catch yourself doing it without thinking about it,
0: mm. and then you just practice practice and and I think become more and more aware of what all of the other options are that's what's neat about this field i've studied it a bit is there one leads to the next, and you can almost see. 50 different ways that emotional intelligence kind of feeds on all of those 18 behaviors. It's so powerful. Um, Travis, give us one more thing. We always ask for the one thing. we got about 30 seconds left. What's the one thing we could do today that would just immediately begin to enhance our own understanding of our own emotions?
9: Well, uh, you can stop drinking so much caffeine is, is a great place to start. Uh, people that, that do that, you know, caffeine is, um, um, releases adrenaline, and which is the source of the fight-or-flight right. uh, response. So um, a lot of times when people feel overrun by their emotions, they realize that it's because they're drinking too much caffeine. Yeah. And when they cut back, they have a much greater amount of emotional control.
0: They're too amped up. Hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And that's easy enough, isn't it? Well, Travis, we appreciate you, my friend. Again, the book is Emotional Intelligence 2.0. Dr. Travis Bradbury is the author along with Gene Greaves. And uh, go to the website as well, talentsmart.com, where you can take some of those assessments and uh, learn everything you can about being a, a more emotionally intelligent person. We're going to take a break, my friends. Uh, Come back and go uh, to BYU Sports Nation, two highly emotionally intelligent people as well. Uh, Spencer will be joining us and Jerem talking about what's coming up on their show at the top of the hour. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Matt Townsend Show. We're going to toss it down to Studio B, where we're going to the discotheque that is Spe- <laughs> that is Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan. How are you, gentlemen?
3: Never gonna give you up.
0: You just got rickrolled. No, we got rickrolled. <laughs> Do you love that song or what? I, you said <laughs> discotheque.
3: That's actually one of my favorite U2 songs. Is it? Yeah, discotheque. It was on, uh, I think, Pop. That album, they, they got, you know weird. What? They I'm got gonna, weird. I'm writing
0: weird. that down. We will be playing that next time. Disco Tech. This song brings back memories. You guys were probably too young. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> hey, listen, rude. I
8: grew up with four older sisters in the I 80s. You and there I, is no wh- song that is too old in the 80s for me. Where, where did you fit in that? I whole- was six of seven, so I was... I was- the younger brother, but constantly around them every morning when they were getting ready for high school and junior high. And, I, I mean, I, I yeah. the radio was blasting in the Linton home, 80s jams.
0: Did you, did you ever look at your sister's bangs and with just awe? <laughs> I like your bangs. Your those bang- bangs are enormous. She bang. Those are big bangs. Th- those bangs, will, they'll claw you. They're called claw bangs they'll for get a you reason.
8: The claw bangs.
0: Hey, have you guys got everything ready for Mom? You ready for Mother's Day?
8: Uh, Yeah, I. I, Mom's uh, taken care of. I hope she's not listening. (laughs) Oh, yeah, she
0: is.
8: (laughs) So maybe I shouldn't say what I did. Mom
3: got the present in the mail already. Yeah. Remember how I missed the birthday? Yeah, right. No, exactly. We're good. We're good. See, your son. What a good son, Jerry. My wife jumped it for me.
0: Your wife took care of you. So your wife's a great daughter. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Where's the son? That's what we wonder.
3: Or as Eddie Vedder said, don't call me Dunner.
0: Don't call me Dutter <laughs> Hey, by the way, uh, so Spencer, were you going to say something?
3: Because
8: um, I don't want
0: to let that fall if you really wanted to talk about your mother.
8: No, I, I will say this. We took care of it. And again, it was uh, the effort was put forth initially by my wife.
3: Yeah. You know for what? My, for my mom.
0: Where would you guys the be? The hope
3: is that the same effort is put forth for them. I think they set a, a standard for right. it. Okay. Are you going to so, think this way for me?
0: Did you get something for your wives?
8: Yeah. I feel more anxiety about this than anything else in my life. Seriously. Do you really? Uh-huh. Holidays yeah, and yeah. birthdays yeah. are like the biggest thing ever for my wife. I mean, it's just... Oh, boy. She thrives on it. And so I... Don't blow!
0: Don't blow that. That I, I freak out a little bit. Well, I've got a gift. If you, do you want to know a gift, you can get her. Yes. Yes. So there's a Nebraska man, <laughs> okay. one hundred twenty days away, that's been accused of stealing a riding lawnmower from Walmart store, <laughs> and he just drove it right off the lot. So <laughs> he walked in. His name is Gershom Gillette. Fake? No, true. And he's forty nine years old. He took some gas. Went and bought some gas. Walked right in the store. Filled up one of the machines and apparently took some cutters and cut the, either the cable or the chain that was holding it in there or, or the fence that was around it. And security footage shows a man entering the store, fueling up the lawnmower, cutting a chain link fence where the mower was stored and taking off on it. Come wow. on, Gershum! Come on, Gersh. Come on. And then he, they caught him about 10 miles later. He got 10 miles miles away? That would have taken hours. I know. Somebody's like, hey, where'd that mower go? And then they had to check security, and then they found (laughs) Gershom. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? So, But I'm pretty sure it was from Mother's Day. And he's going to put on the mower, mom's mowing machine in vinyl letters. It's beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Brings a tear to my eye. In vinyl letters. So maybe your wife wants a riding
8: lawnmower. Uh, given the vast Neither backyard have a yard.
3: that we have,
0: which <laughs> is currently dirt right now. Yeah, maybe your wife needs a, uh, I don't know, like a, a got, dirt mover.
3: I've gonna, got straight weeds, homie, in mind. I'm
8: going to go ahead and say no. No, that she will not you be know getting what? You getting I asked my wife yesterday,
0: I
3: said, what do you want? She said nothing. I don't think we should give no. big presents on this. I I'll said, tell you. I'll something. tell you. I've already purchased a small one, but I need some besides flowers. Well, and I'll tell you. Making you, her dinner. She'll
0: love that. this, Jerem. Get her a vacuum. Women it, love getting a vacuum from their husband. Do not listen to Matt Townsend. Try it, and then it's I the want you guys to come see me. advice
8: he's ever given. See, ever. this is
0: how I get business. I'm so
3: conflicted.
0: Yeah, if you don't want, if you don't want to do the vacuum, just do an iron.
3: Oh,
0: oh wow. I give her a oh. brand new basketball. The ladies love the items. What, what other
8: demeaning gifts can you? Get, I'm trying Jim? to get
0: business. Is what I'm trying to do. How about some dishwashing gloves? <laughs> Great idea.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm the dishwasher
8: in her house. Oh my
0: Don't do that. Don't do that. Do something. Just give her something from your heart. Uh, maybe some Star Wars figurine.
8: You know what's funny? I wrote a poem. I wrote a poem for my wife one year. Really? And Aww. That was like. Her favorite gift. It cost me nothing. Did you sing it and dance it? I did not sing and dance it. I just let her read it. She cried, and I was like, "Oh no! Did wow. she hate it or is she happy with it?" Yeah. Do that it, again.
0: That's money. But I've already done it. We'll do it again. Well, it's a yeah, poem. I guess I, there are more than yeah.
3: Many. I don't want this to be. Um, there's there's this Utah culture of uh, craziness when ans- asking someone to a dance. Yeah, in yeah, I yeah. It's so excessive.
0: Like, yeah. You don't need a big dance can, invitation yeah. thing.
3: What, what can be heartfelt but not w- crazy? That's the question I have yet to figure out.
0: You could, you know what? You it's know Friday. What, I'm worried. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're in trouble. You know what? When in doubt, poem it out. Shout it out. Oh, them it out. Yeah. Piece of cake. Okay. What are you guys doing on your show? I mean, I can't solve Nothing. all the problems.
8: Holy I've, cow. I've given so. you 10, Speaking ten examples. Speaking of
0: expectation
8: levels. Yeah. We'll throw Mother's Day oh, out the door. Great transition. Expectation levels for BYU football moving forward, given that their schedules become exponentially more difficult. The program standard has been 10 wins for a very long time. Yeah. Every year of the Bronco Mendenhall campaign, for that matter. He says that it won't change. But looking at the next year and even the year after that, 10 wins Ooh. would be... Amazing! Yeah. Th-
3: this is like transferring to a much tougher academic school and saying, I'm going to maintain the same GPA standard. Mm. It's like, maybe, maybe you should consider lowering that given the difficulty of this. But even if he does it, the
0: fans won't be happy.
3: Well, he's not going to. We're saying the fans should lower their expectations. Yeah,
0: okay, good. I'm, yeah. Manage, is, yeah.
3: is managing expectations uh, huge. a key to happiness? Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. So,
3: BYU football and its fans need to manage their expectations given the difficulty of these schedules. That's we'll great. We'll tell you what number of wins we think it should be. But that's a
0: short question. That's great. And you're going to teach them how to lower expectations?
3: Yes. Lower,
8: okay,
0: listening.
3: It seems like you. It's managing. Like you said defeat, managing. Right? Yeah. It's man- managing Yeah. Managing is better, is better
0: than, than lowering. Yeah, it's Re-evaluating, it's be yes. realistic.
3: You have to submit that it, there are more difficult circumstances, so that's you right. have to. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm I'm going to make my effort great, but I may not have the same result that I had previously because that's
0: perfect. The, uh, I that's variable a, changed. That's a perfect exactly, and that's a perfect topic. So you guys will
8: talk about that forever. Anything else on the show? Blaine Fowler will join us, former cool. national championship quarterback from at BYU. New York City. That's from great. New York. Adam Law, minor league baseball player, just promoted to double H to, uh, Tulsa. He's uh, joining us live as well. You know, he's the just, average huge. Just a little name, Friday just show. little name
0: dropping there, but that's yeah. all right. That's good. Yeah. Well, that's how we roll, man. You guys are the best. Take party, care of your mothers. Party. And yeah. Have fun with that lawnmower. That's going to be fantastic. Come on, Gersh. Come on, Gersh.
8: <laughs>
0: go, goish. Gersh. Go, go, go. Let's go, he, go, Goish. Dude, Gersh got 10 miles. You got to give him that. <laughs>
3: That's did amazing. he? Did they charge him for gas? I
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. You owe us gas, too. No, he brought his own gas. Hello.
8: He brought the bolt cutters and gas. the gasoline. He brought gas, gas into Walmart. Yeah, he is. And nobody yeah. noticed. <laughs>
0: no, because nobody noticed. He just starts pouring it everywhere. What's going <laughs> on? To go ahead and drive this away. Good stuff. Take care, gentlemen. Bye, Have Matt. a good one. See ya. Bye. Uh, that's great. Um, we've got a wonderful guest on the line, um, our very own James Birdsall. We've got to get to him. Hello, James Happy honeymoon, James. Oh, thank you, Matt. Is Is Kaylee with you?
5: Yes, she is holding my hand at, as we speak.
0: It sounds like you're driving. Yeah, we are. Okay, uh, James, you ought not be holding hands while you're driving.
5: Oh, we're not holding both, just one hand. It's my hand and her hand. I'm no. not holding both of her hands. Well,
0: how are you holding the phone?
5: No, she's driving. I'm not
0: driving. Your Your wife's driving? Yes, she's driving. Because oh, you knew you would be on the phone. Yes. James, thanks for sharing your honeymoon with us.
5: You know, I, I thought that our listeners would love to be involved in my honeymoon.
0: So. Oh, you're such a giver. Because here's the deal. Yeah. We we had bets here that uh, 9 out of 10 said you wouldn't want to do this call, and I said for sure he would because he loves us. And so I won the bet.
5: Wow. Wow. Um, don't tell anyone else this, but you know that text you sent me that said that you'd give me some of that, what you want from the bet.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah? Me. That text? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I won't tell anybody. But okay. I appreciate you doing this. Did you get my other um, 58 phone calls this week?
5: Uh, I have had my phone on silent, so yeah. uh,
0: no. Well, you're going to be surprised when you when you check your voicemail. There's a lot oh. of messages from me.
5: You left messages.
0: I left messages every time. 56, wow. I think. Wow. But I, I really, I just, you know, wondered why you weren't calling. You know?
5: That, that's very kind of you. That's very thoughtful. But, so, I really appreciate that I've been, I've been in your thoughts for so long.
0: Oh, no. Yeah, we've actually been looking for you all over the city. We sent oh. Mike out for two days just driving around looking for you.
5: You, you, you knew that, you know, I've been on my honeymoon. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
5: yep. But you still look for me.
0: Well, yeah. Well, we wanted okay, to talk.
5: That totally makes sense.
0: Uh, how, how How's the honeymoon gone?
5: It's going fantastic.
0: You're still in love, right?
5: Yeah, definitely. Very much in love. Even more so, even.
0: Have you had that moment when you're like, oh, boy, she's weird? <laughs> Have you had that moment yet?
5: Not yet.
0: Okay. Well, call me. It won't happen for okay. a year or two. Okay. I, you know, what ask her if she's had that moment. I just want to know. She has, hasn't she? Yeah, she has. Yeah, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I I knew it. It was. You know what it was? It was when you were driving home after your reception and you texted Terry. Oh. Right then, she's like, "Oh man." Yeah, that was
5: probably it. Okay. She she just barely said that you still over at Tango though.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, I will. Uh, no, she, we did the tango at the wedding.
5: Oh, you did the tango?
0: Was that not Kaylee?
5: Apparently not. Well, who did I tango with
0: for a half hour?
5: I have no idea.
0: That's messed up.
5: Wow, that's embarrassing.
0: I think it was her mother.
5: Yeah, were you at the right reception?
0: I don't know. Was it in Bountiful?
5: No, it wasn't. It was, in, it was in Salt Lake City. So
0: oh, that's you're embarrassing. You with the wrong bride. That's embarrassing. Oh, that is wow. so bad. Oh, James, oh, I wonder what was going through their mind. That's so weird. Anyway, we got to go, but um, we love you guys, and we're glad you're still married. Oh, me too. Well, I'll, I'll be in studio on Monday. So. Okay, Monday we're going to have a whole breakdown of your honeymoon. It'll be great.
5: Yeah. I was gonna Bring
0: the that. PowerPoint. Uh, we'll do. Good job. Good job, Kaylee. Take care. You've, you've still got a little more time with him. That's it, folks. That's the show. We just jumped in on someone's honeymoon. How cool is that? Only the Matt Townsend Show can get away with that. We'll be back Monday, friends, with James Birdsall, married and all. This is the Matt Townsend Show over and out. Have a great weekend and Mother's Day.